What's up, citizens of Apologia? This is King Ginger, and I just wanted to take a moment to encourage you all to sign up for Apologia All Access. When you sign up for Apologia All Access, you're going to get exclusive on-demand content. This means that you and your entire family are going to get to watch every single TV show, every single after show, and every single Apologia Academy with new content dropping every single week. But most importantly, your contribution helps Apologia Studios create quality, Christ-centered entertainment that reaches millions of people on our YouTube channels and through our podcast with the gospel. So what are you waiting for? Change everything at ApologiaRadio.com. Non-rockabotus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yeah! What? 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 Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got, yeah. I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not. Give thanks to the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Apologia Radio. I should say welcome back to me is really what I should be saying, right? Right. Right? Am I right? Am I right, Joy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Right, right, right. All right. So back in uh, the hot seat, we're uh, we're ready to go. Literally. Yes. Literally. We're ready to go hot today. Seat. Yeah, Luke has a, the fan laying down, pointed Underneath up. Underneath me. And got a little back sweat going on? Always. Always. <laughs> we have to turn the... It's crazy. It's tough during the summertime. Doing apology radio because we have to, we're in like a little warehouse situation, and it's Arizona, so you know that speaks for itself. Super hot in the summer, and uh, we have to turn the AC off when we do this show. Uh, right above, right above us is the AC. We have to turn it off during the show because uh, you would hear it on the episode, and uh, so instead you just hear drops of sweat falling. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So it can get kind of hot. It really can. It gets pretty hot. So we have to try to work around that. And so we always have a fan running under the table. But today it's actually... Two fans. It's, it's aimed directly at Luke right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Got a Spurgeon shirt on. I do. You like Spurgeon, right? I do like yes, the Spurgeon. Yes, you do. Yes. A lot Just of people like bit. Spurgeon. A bit. All right, that's Luke Pearson. That's, that's the bear right there next to me. That's me. And that's Joy the Girl. Yep. 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 You guys are going to be hearing a lot of joy, a whole lot of joy for a long time. Ah. I got a different song for joy today. We fix things up a bit. And joy is, uh, <laughs> joy is, is, we can, can we not, can we say it, joy? Are we allowed to say it? I, that's up to you. Is it, yeah. I don't mind. Yeah. Can we say, I, we can say that. Joy is going to be spending all, oh, that, yeah. all her time dedicated to the ministry of Apology at Church. All of it. No sleep. Apology huh. Studios. Huh. She's going to be working 90 hour work weeks. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Did I tell you that's your schedule? Okay. 
And uh, that's how it's going to work. Yeah. Okay. So, Joy, we couldn't be more excited and happy. More joyful. Yes. For more joyful for you to be here. You know here, what we need I got, to do? I got a new song. First first week yeah. where she's officially on and she's, you know, she's working and we're slave labor. Um, when that happens, I think that we should have a screening of the Apostle. Yeah. But I'll just be working so hard that I won't have time to watch it. We so. can actually now that she's a she will be an official employee of Apology of Studios. I am by choice. We can make it happen. <laughs> you can't make me. We can make watch it happen. Okay, we'll, we'll, you have a song, we'll you, sir. Figure it out. Yes. Sir, you have a song. Yeah. Uh, please continue. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Yes, sir. Joy. Yeah. Thanks. Down in my soul, sweet. Yes. Beautiful. So saving joy. Yes. Just to be clear, yes. this song's not actually about me. <laughs> I told you to give me your own song and no. I would play it. You can choose one. It now, yeah, now that it's it's official, you'll be full time at Apology now Studios. Now I'm allowed to choose music. You, we will need to actually get you plugged in. That's like an official thing. We have to get you uh, plugged in. We'll see about that. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be like an ongoing thing for us. We're like, no, nah, no, nah, she doesn't need one. She's good. No. Well, I know this part from the Apostle. Because we play it all the time. Great. I still haven't actually seen this part, though. I've heard it. Summer, have you seen The Apostle? What is The Apostle? Never see it. Oh never see it. She's never seeing it. No, Joy, you're not allowed to do that. It's more fun. It's more fun if she never sees it. It's not more fun. It's Robert Duvall. Oh. By the way, Summer. Does The Apostle pay us for airtime on the show? Because we talk about it so much. No, no. Okay, Summer Pinch, by the way. Summer Pinch. I got another song for Summer Pinch. Summer Pinch is here in the studio, and Summer Pinch next to me right now. It's fantastic. You ever play a song? Yeah, I got okay. a song. Oh, you got she looks enchanting okay. today. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good choice. Hot town, summer in the city. Them down, isn't it a pity? Oh, nice. I'm happy. Uh, real fast, bring everyone out. My bad. I'm, I'm Jeff. They call me a ninja. That's uh, that's uh, in the back over there on the ones and twos. Marcus King, Ginger Pittman. I'm back what? in America. America. I went to Hawaii it, for a it little bit. I like it when you were in the jungle. Bad. Trust me, you're like, it's, it's, no, this is I not mean, America. Like back to America. The natives are pretty adamant that Hawaii is not America. So. They, yeah, they, they, they can Based be. Based on the carvings in the trees. Yeah, this will never be America. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, uh, Summer, yes. The Apostle is actually uh, a work of art. It is a classic film. Uh, Robert Duvall funded it with his own money. And this is like a thing he was very passionate about where he plays um, a, a, a minister, a, pre- a preacher, who ends up um, killing a man. Well, now you who, give away the whole premise of the sleeping film. sleeping with yeah, his wife. I didn't even know any of that. Now it's not <laughs> worth watching. No, no, no. That doesn't tell you the movie. So that's the premise. That's oh, it kind of does. That's in the trailer. It's in the trailer. Oh, okay. So he ends up doing this thing, and the rest of the movie, sort of, it just follows him as he's like escaping from the law and he tries to continue ministry in the midst of the fact that he's done this thing. 
and it's just fantastic. The Apostle, it's really well done. So you like will legit, see it. Like, He's not convinced. Someone, he did his homework. I can tell by your what? face. Summer, what was Robert not. Duvall in that I would know? Oh, oh lots my. of things. The Godfather. Oh my. The Godfather, first of all. Nope. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, next would be uh, oh Robert Duvall's in so much stuff now. He's in um, tons of stuff. Uh, what's that? Sit, gone in sixty seconds. So much stuff you guys Nicholas can't Cage. tell me. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> I would gone. never see a Nick Cage oh, movie. Okay. Willingly. Okay. Um, <laughs> Robert Duvall. Oh, 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 this one, this one, this one. The one where they he plays the two old men. He's like one of the the old men who adopt this little boy. And they raise a little boy, and they go through all these adventures and everything. No, I. Oh, oh, secondhand lions. Yes. yes. That's Robert Duvall. Okay. That's a good the movie. Okay. Did you see the judge? Which the judge? Oh. That's Robert Duvall. Yes. Yeah. So it's Excellent him. Film. The judge is actually a very important movie in my life. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. It's a terrible movie, but anyway. Oh, I the like judge, it. Judge, very important to me. Okay, I great. Like it. Good. Good. Okay. I yeah. don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. All people right now are trying to figure things out in their head about that. Uh, all kinds of don't worry about speculations. It. Don't worry. I'm sure they'll just let the speculation be a news go. article about just it sometimes. It yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Okay. So, so anyway, you should see it. Don't listen to a word coming out of Joy's mouth. Why won't you see it, Joy? She because not a word because she's stubborn. Not one word. Okay, here's how it happened. I kind of want to see it. It sounds intriguing. Thank you. But it's so much more fun to torture them by not oh, seeing it. Oh, that's the point. Yeah. Summer. I will not see this film. <laughs> oh, yes. my goodness. Yes. What is up with women on Apology Radio? The thing you is, out of the kitchen. That's how it we get I'm rebelling. Speaking <laughs> of rebellious women, um, should we do Hillary Clinton first, or should we? No. Who's the one next? Hold on. I got. I got. I totally oh, got distracted. Okay. So do you have a set to go? Ready to go? Yeah. Oh. Okay. All right. That's what this is. For. So I heard that Summer and Joy. Oh yeah. That you were Sheologians. gonna drop sheologians i don't know oh, come on. it's perfect i like it's it like though hermeneutics uh, it's perfect hermeneutics okay so this is fantastic and let me just say i just found out before good, today's right? show is, they just good. said it like, like everybody it. knew it and i just found out because i was we, we were all gone actually I, I was gone for a little longer than everybody else but we were all gone i found out that joy the girl and summertime sadness. <laughs> Summer the other girl. The girl doesn't work as well now. Are going to be doing an official podcast produced by Apologia Studios. Yeah. And that's what I'm arguing for the Sheologians show. The Sheologians. That's fantastic. I'm seriously. Uh, it's perfect. Hey, Marcus, did you did you know about the fact Marcus, that they had discussed it? It was kind of my idea. It was Marcus's idea. He was and at our house. mentioned it to me. Listen, Marcus was at my house hanging out with my husband and I and Austin over there. And he and I were kicking around the idea of a podcast. Well. And I thought, I can do that. But Summer, why is this podcast going to be different, though? Why is it going to be because different? Because they're going to be wearing mom jeans <laughs> yes. while doing the podcast. We're going to be talking about cooking. <laughs> and We're not talking about cooking. We're not talking about mom jeans or mom things. I don't know. There's a hole, you know? There's like a hole for women in podcasting and solid theology. And Hence the Sheologian show. We need show. that. And 
I mean, obviously. There we go. There we go. <laughs> 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 nice. We are not going to be talking about. Who, wait. Is that Marcus's it's phone? It's gotta be Marcus. Is that, is that it was Darren Doan calling me, oh, though. Okay, okay, well, you're the right. only one that ever has his phone go off on the I show. I know, but okay. I feel like that needs to be answered. Well, it doesn't well, mean your phone has to be on. No, I'm well, not gonna answer I'm, it because we're doing a show. Okay, okay. Don't understand. So, be looking out for the show but with Joy the Girl and Sometimes Sadness. And um, we know we have to think of a name I for someone. Do. Oh. Oh. Did you? No, I was. I mean, you but could call the her show. the Sheologian. Yeah, the girl in the Sheologian. Uh, that's actually. Hmm. I don't know. We'll think about it. So we'll think about a nickname we'll think about for it. for summer. You're not allowed uh, to pick your own nickname. I'm very excited about. Okay. Unlike most people. <laughs> Just I didn't pick my own name. His uh, <laughs> life picked it for him. That's okay. right. I didn't. I, I didn't pick the life. The life picked me. Um, all right. So uh, let's just give you guys a quick update and uh, recap what happened over the last couple of weeks. Um, had this plan for quite some time. We, as many of you guys know, are seeking to plant a church on the island of Kauai. Desperately needs uh, the gospel on the island. We have a lot of work to do. We've been in the process for a year now of investigation, planning, getting connections, getting families organized to be sent out onto that island to risk their lives and to lay everything down for the cause of the gospel on the kingdom of Jesus. And that's what's up right now. So I had the opportunity. That's what's up. That's what's up. And that's that's hard. Um, So I had the opportunity to go out a little bit early. Uh, The churches that brought us out actually brought me and my family out, my family and I out. And um, we got out to the islands, and I got a chance to spend a little bit of time with my family, taking a much-needed break. And then we went to Oahu, where I spent three days preaching. I think I, I counted um, nine messages I preached in, in, a, in just really a few days. And it was a lot of hard work, but it was an amazing time with a church in Kauai. And I just want to say... And there was no air conditioning. No, yeah. It was Nine so, messages and one towel. With yeah. zero air conditioning. It was, it was really, really brutal. I, <laughs> you I looked do, like IV. Yeah. Walking I, around with a towel. <laughs> towel. <laughs> I, uh, I did get really, 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 really ill because of just how much we were going. And I, I mean, I got really sick on the last week of the, of the mission. But um, so went to Oahu, and this is what I'm going to say to all of our listeners who are regular listeners who pray for us, those of you guys that partner with us as a ministry. It was really encouraging to me, and I had to hold back tears at one point because when I first got to Oahu, the first night that I preached, before Marcus and Carmen got there the next day, um, a bunch of people from all over the island showed up, and um, I got to meet people from all over Oahu that weren't connected to each other, just from different churches who have been using the tools and resources from Apologia Church via YouTube or via All Access um, or a podcast. They've been using them to go out and do ministry, uh, to do evangelism. I got to hear all their stories. I did find out, Pastor Luke, that there is a huge uh, following of uh, Apologia Radio Ministries uh, in the military. A lot of uh, a lot of military guys who are believers listen to Apologia mm-hmm. Radio and listen to our resources. And uh, these guys just—they were all—they didn't even know each other. Just coming up and talking about That's it. It's awesome. And so it was really encouraging. People actually starting seminary now as a result of our ministry. Wow, uh, it was really humbling to hear that. Uh, people that are out doing street evangelism right now in Oahu because of the encouragement of the, some of the resources we have. And so that was just awesome. So I got to spend several days there doing that. Uh, the event we held for the Mormon Church 
um, at or in Oahu was interesting. It was there was a lot of people there. Christians from all over the island were there. The amazing thing is, is that this thing created a huge controversy in the Mormon community in North Shore. If I can give you a little bit of a mental picture of it, on the North Shore of Oahu, uh, it's very different than where Honolulu is. It's very city. There's even a Chinatown in Honolulu. It tells you sort of like, you know, how big that is and how developed it is. But on the North Shore, it's more rural. And uh, there's a BYU campus. Mm -hmm. There is a Mormon temple. There are wards. And from what I understand... The North Shore of Oahu is dominated by the Mormon church. Um, and the Mormon community is huge out there. So when word got out to the Mormon community that this event was being put on, they all told each other not to show up. Uh, the controversy happened online. I mean, hundreds of comments deep about the conference, yeah. but they told each other not to show up. I can tell you this. And by the way, and this will commit me to it. So remind me not to forget this, guys. Um, one of the ladies who was part of the church in Oahu, she got involved in putting this event on. She posted it. And as a result of it, she was in town. Somebody saw her in town, small community. She was punched in the face and her family was kicked out of her home. And so here's the deal. Hawaii is very difficult to live in because of the cost of living. Mm -hmm. The limited amount of, of homes to choose from. Mm -hmm. um, it is upside down. The median income is somewhere around 55000 and mm -hmm. the average home price is over half a million dollars. Yeah. How do you afford it? Right? How do you live? You, you live stacked on top of each other, and it's usually numerous families living together. So because she was a part of putting this conference on, someone found out, saw her in town, punched her in the face... She got thrown out of her house with her husband and her kids. Nowhere to live. Was she renting from Mormons or something? Yeah, I think, I I don't know, something about her family, I think, is Mormon. Oh. And so they found out, threw her out of the house. So she is living in temporary housing right now with, like, another family member stacked on top of each other. She needs, I, I'm going to just go ahead and say it. I want to do a GoFundMe to raise money for this woman to get a new place. I want to make sure you guys rem remind me of it because I don't want to forget uh, because we need to help her. She risked so much to put this thing on that she actually took a major hit for doing so, and I don't want her to suffer any longer, so I want to help. So so that happened. A Mormon did show up. The church showed up, and as a result of that event, let me just say how encouraging this is. The church connected out there, and now they are actually on the streets right now in Oahu preaching the gospel together to the Mormons on the North Shore. Um, that's what's happening now as a result of the event. So then we went to Maui. I preached there a bunch. A lot of ministry happened there. We were... Oh, it was amazing. So I didn't sleep the night that we left. The last night of the conference was brutal. Like, I think it was like 5.30 till like 11.30 I was going. I get back. Marcus is exhausted. I mean, it's, it's very hard work doing what they do. Marcus is exhausted, so he tries to get some sleep. Karma's trying to get some sleep. But it was 11.30, and we had to be in the car and gone to this to go back south again to get on a plane to go to Maui at 2 at two o'clock. So I have to pack. My kids are in bed with candy, and I'm like, there's no point in going to bed. And there wasn't any point in going to bed. And then I had to fight the cockroaches, which are yeah. everywhere. Like in Oahu, there's cockroaches all over the place. And mm. I'm fighting cockroaches like for the two Never hours. Go hungry. Right. So, yeah. Oh. So, so anyway, so listen, this is crazy. No. So I, we get to Maui with no sleep and I get there and Jason, I love Jason so much. He gets us some food I and like he Jason. goes, He's okay, we cool. got to drive now to go to this camp. We took an hour and a half of the most treacherous, most dangerous drive I've ever seen in my entire life. Marcus, 
Am I exaggerating in any way? <laughs> it's the scariest road I've ever been on in my life. It was an hour and a half of constant zigzag, zigzag, and you're on the edge of a cliff, and you would mm. look, you would sometimes turn a corner, and you could put your arm out the window, and you'd be like touching just blank space, like a like a 500 feet down. It's just ocean rocks. So I'm gonna guess that you did not let Marcus make that drive. I would never let Marcus make that drive. Marcus would not be alive today if he's doing that drive. I ran into the ocean. Right. So, and, and you, you get on some of these things, guys, and the, the road turns from a two-way two to one lane. And you have to, like, guess, is there a car coming around the corner? And, like, you gotta, like, try to figure out, should I risk it and go around the corner or run into another car? Mm. So it's, like, hour and a half of that, and there's little, like, memorials on the edge. Oh, my gosh. All the way, like, where people just went off the cliff, right? So, anyways, we get there, and it's the most amazing, God-glorifying view you can imagine. It is insane to be in the jungle in Hawaii on the edge of a cliff, literally on the edge of a cliff, watching God do his thing before the watching world. It is amazing. But no air conditioning. And one towel. One towel, six people in a room. It was really hard. And so, anyways, we got back to Kauai. We did a week-long mission in Kauai, figuring things out, doing some outreach and evangelism, connecting with the church. Let me just say, God is amazing. We are so humbled to be a part of this awesome work. And I am absolutely... um, How do I say this? I am... In, in moments, I'm stunned by the work of God and raising up particular people with particular gifts that seem like God put this person in the world for this work. Like... When you think about someone like Claudie and Shelly, these people dedicated to the mission of drug and alcohol addiction, bringing the gospel into that area, the homeless population, which is so big uh, on the islands, they are. it's like God raised them up for mm-hmm. this specific ministry because they're just so careless with their lives. Yeah. Like, they'll, they're, we went on the ministry says, we go to the beach to hand out like invitations for worship to get in conversations and everybody else and me is on the beach walking up to people and Claudia and Shelly noticed that in every beach in Hawaii the kind of harder crowd the rougher crowd that's smoking you can tell from the that's smoking pot they're all smoking pot they're up usually on the on on the farther away from the beach like up where the uh, places to hang out are but that's where they all hang out the rougher crowd they're smoking pot all of them well Claudia and Shelly are like those are my people like they go right for them and like just careless and just reckless and they're just made for it. And there's moments like that. I'm like, God, you're amazing. Thank you for being, thank you for being so gracious to us and using us in the way that you do. So that's what happened in Hawaii. Um, it's, uh, do you want to say anything about it? It was amazing. Marcus, do you want to say anything about Hawaii? I would just, no, I, th- I think it's, mm, it's, a, it's an amazing place. And I'm, I'm shocked at, you know, one of the things that, really struck me was the racism towards white people that are on the island. Yeah. There's and some pockets of that. For yeah. Sure. Like Dustin was talking about how he was looking for a job at a, at a, at a motorcycle repair place. And yeah. he was certified. He's certified. So he could pretty much get the job because there's not a lot of certified Harley technicians on Hawaii, but he was asking if they had a snap on truck that could deliver tools or sell tools or whatever. And he said, well, they do, but uh, the guy doesn't sell to white people on the island. Yeah. So they're not no one at the no one at the motorcycle shop was allowed to get snap-on tools. So like that's the kind of racism that's on that island. Like it's severe. So it's they, sure, they especially don't like gingers. I guess not. You're so pasty white. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so there, it's difficult 
let me just say, if you get a picture in your mind of Hawaii and you're thinking of just paradise and partying and, you know, those sorts of things, mm-hmm. yeah, there are people who live there. People live there, and uh, that's their home. It's not a 24-hour-a-day vacation for them. And there's 68,000 people, permanent residents, on the island of Kauai. Yeah. The cults are everywhere. I would say, and Luke can attest to this, um, we were there on Sunday. We've been there on a couple Sundays. We were there on Sunday, and you see all the churches that are there. And there, mm-hmm. there are some Christian churches on the island. Uh, we're planning a reformed church on the island. But um, you see the churches kind of scarce in, yeah. in the parking lots. Yeah. But the... Watchtower, Bible and Tracks, yeah, uh, Jehovah's packed. Witnesses, packed to the max. I mean, like spilling out of the parking lot, people. And uh, so the cults are out in full force, and that island needs the gospel in a big way. And mm. it's pretty cool that God has allowed us to be a part of this. So, yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, uh, I. It, we should not paint a picture of them all being racist either. I didn't. I didn't I, mean to say no, that. No, I know. I know. I just don't want people to think like right. yeah, all, there, everybody in Hawaii hates no, white people. No, there's, there's pockets. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, but we definitely did experience some of that. But um, yeah, I, I, I mean, but the, but the point is that because of what happened in terms of uh, American imperialization, right. right? That there's still a lot of hostility, absolutely, on that island towards on uh, non-natives. Yeah. And so they don't like being part of America. The island, wa- it was stolen from them. The island yeah, was taken right. over and right. and we did steal it from them. And so they're, they're still feeling the effects of that today. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about it, I mean, we've talked a little, about, a little bit about this, just that a lot of the people that come over, they call the mainlanders or the Hollies or whatever, like, uh, <laughs> they got, there's got to be some feeling of oppression still, because really, if you think about it, they depend there, a lot of their income depends on the people coming from the mainland, but the people that come over from the mainland just act like they know everything and don't treat them fairly and nicely and, and with grace and 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 we have a government program that ships homeless people yeah, that too to Honolulu. Just if you're homeless, you can just get a free ticket to Honolulu. Yeah, and you, and so they have so many homeless people that they don't know what to deal with because. We use it as our garbage dump. Yeah, for the mainland. Yeah, that blew our mind. Yeah, did you know that? Summer? Not that's that. So there are all the there's huge communities of homeless people on Oahu. Not so much yeah. in Kauai. No, Kauai's the homeless people on Kauai are there because they like to be homeless and they like to live on the beach. Yeah, we and, noticed that. Yeah, but Oahu has these cities of homeless people that move around on the beach together because what they do is they set up a city on the beach. And then the Hawaiian state government uh, basically comes in, does like a raid and kicks them off. They move down away, set up again. And it's just, it's like constant rotation of moving their city. Well, um, we found out from uh, Pastor Spencer that on the mainland, some states have um, basically policies where they'll pay homeless people, uh, they'll pay like a one-way ticket to dump them in mm-hmm. Oahu. And so, so cause, because, you know, if you're in Arizona and you're homeless, you could die. Right. You could you could die. Oh yeah. And in some places on the East Coast, if it's wintertime, mm-hmm. you could die. And so some of these places actually will pay to send you and dump you in Oahu. And in Oahu, they don't know how to handle it, so they've actually gone to the state government in Oahu has gone to the churches and said, "We don't know how to handle this. Can you help us?" Uh, so I do love that that yeah. that uh, the state government says like this isn't. A responsibility we can manage can you take care of which is the church's right. responsibility exactly. right. Should be so I love that that actually happens so anyway uh, there's, there's so much there's so much guys just pray for it because it's an amazing thing so let's do this let's take a quick break 
We're going to come back. We're going to talk for just a minute about Hillary's America, the new film that we reviewed yesterday. We checked it out. Um, who's the uh, the guy again who did it? What's his name? Dinesh D'Souza. Dinesh D'Souza. There you go. I just lost it. Oh. Dinesh D'Souza did it, and it's really, really... The guy has got... He's got some courage. Let me just tell you that much. He's got some courage. Yeah, he does. Based upon what happened to him, he's got some courage. And when you see the film, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But we will be right back. More at ApologiaRadio.com. That's where you go to get past episodes. We're going to talk today about Hillary's America. We're going to talk about addiction, drugs and alcohol, Apologia Church. We're going to answer just a few things that have been said over the last couple of weeks. Um, that we want to correct. And uh, hopefully this is a blessing to everybody. Thank you guys so much for praying for us, for loving us, supporting, and don't forget, you can get all access at ApologiaRadio.com, and let me just say before we go, the new website's going to blow your mind, it's going to be amazing, and we are about to dump a bunch of new stuff for you guys, all the breakout sessions from ReformCon are going up at All Access, Scott Oliphant, Dr. James White, Darren Doan, and we uh, And we just dumped the entire... Uh, series that R.C. Sproul Jr. did on abortion ministry, which yes. is probably the best thing we've it's ever put. Really good. Probably the best thing we've ever put up on all access. Yeah. So and there's three classes on abortion ministry yeah. for eight bucks, a eight dollar donation, eight dollars. That's it. Yeah. And I'm gonna say you're about to when this new website comes up, you're gonna put all the stuff up from NSA, uh, not the. Uh, is a National Security Association, yeah, but uh, not, not, New St. Andrews. Not that one. Uh, New St. Andrews. The good NSA. The good NSA. Yeah, just a bunch of really amazing stuff that'll bless your life, and that's coming very, very soon. So we will be right back. For 21 years and counting, New St. Andrews College has sought to obey Christ's great commission to disciple nations and build him a house, not just in Jerusalem, but throughout the world. Not with stones and mortar, but with living stones. We build and fight. This is the task of a Christian liberal arts college, to equip students with the tools to build and fight. This is our joyful task as we seek to graduate leaders who shape culture through wise and victorious living. To learn more, visit us online at nsa.edu forward slash explore. Hey, this is Drew from the Gotham Central Podcast. Tune into our show each week as Mike, Ross, and myself bring you all the latest news and reviews from your favorite DC Comics television show, Gotham. Listen in as three aspiring Reformed theologians discuss some of the best story arcs, comics, and movies in the Batman universe. You can check out the Gotham Central Podcast on iTunes, join our Facebook group called Gotham Central, and follow us on Twitter at Gotham underscore Central. We hope you tune in each week. Same bat time, same bat place. Four, three. So let's uh, let's talk for a moment about the new film, Hillary's America. Actually, uh, you'll remember Dinesh D'Souza did a film. Um, goodness, what was that called? I saw it back before the last 
election before uh, President Barack Obama was reelected. Dinesh D'Souza did a film, and it was about the history of Barack Obama, his personal life and beliefs. Uh, he made some predictions near the end. And what's interesting about it is that Dinesh D'Souza found himself in hot water. Um, he, the government came after him because he gave uh, too much money to a friend who was running for election. Oh, that's right. And because of that, he was sent to jail. He spent, right. I think, eight months in jail. Eight months overnight. Overnight in jail. Yeah. Uh, and it's just interesting, of course, that I think they said he was the first person ever to get a jail sentence like that for this sort of a thing. And so the film, uh, let me just play the trailer for you guys real fast. Uh, if you haven't heard of it, I hadn't actually heard about it. Uh, but then I was at the theater uh, with my kids and I saw the sign and people came out of the theater. I was getting out. I said, how was it? They said, absolutely incredible. So I looked it up and I decided we should go. We should do a little review of it. So here is the trailer for Hillary's America. Democrats are the party of economic opportunity, social justice, and racial equality. That's their pitch. But is it true? Who are these Democrats? It really goes back to this idea of social engineering and social control. In America, we called it progressivism. Soviet Union, they called it communism. The whole purpose of the Democratic Party was to reestablish white supremacy. The Democrats support slavery, while we Republicans oppose slavery. To the Democratic Party. This Civil Rights Act will allow colored men to sit at the same table beside the white guests. The racism continued well into the 20th century. We gotta give them a little something, but not enough to make a difference. Sometimes the violence intensified, other times the racism merely changed forms. Almost everything they did had a racist motive. While Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State, the Clintons took hundreds of millions of dollars from foreign entities. She looked very menacing. I was really frightened. I didn't see any reason to keep them. The fact is, we had four dead Americans. What difference at this point does it make? how much worse things could get if these two depraved crooks returned to the White House. So, we went and saw it, and I'll just give you some brief thoughts. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but I will say, I said on my Facebook yesterday, I think this is one of the best political documentaries I've ever seen. In terms of it being very, very creative, very, very artistic, it was well done. I loved how when they filmed the interview with the experts, uh, it looked like you were watching a TV show or a movie scene of people talking, say, at a restaurant or something like that. So it was very well done. It wasn't done like a typical documentary where the expert just has you know, one shot on his face and things like that. So that was very well done. It was very different. I've never seen a documentary done like that before. Um, so I like that. Uh, it was uh, He kept a consistent story going. 
Uh, he did a fantastic job of telling his story. Uh, you were into it the whole time. It was well done. I did not agree with everything in the film. I thought it was, a, especially at the end, was a huge pitch to to basically join the Republican Party. And <laughs> it, it was, was a, it, it literally pitch. had the last ten minutes was an America moment. Yeah, it was ten, ten minutes of America of the national anthem and as many mm. flags as you could ever want to see in your life. Right, right. It was so that that you know there were and there were things about Lincoln that were said. That, um, Lincoln could, was made out to be a hero. Yeah, and and, and uh, not racist. Yeah, and so like you know, somebody could do a response film to Dinesh D'Souza and his attempt to make Lincoln look like you know not a racist. Um, and uh, they could easily pull from any number of quotes from Lincoln, like for example, Lincoln saying, "Our Republican system was meant for a." Um, uh, a certain people, as long as blacks continue to live with the whites, they constitute a threat to the national life. Family life may also collapse, and the increase of mixed breed bastards may someday challenge the supremacy of the white man. Hmm. I have no purpose to introduce political and social equality between the white and black races. There is physical difference between the two, which, in my judgment, will probably forever forbid their living together upon the footing of perfect equality. And inasmuch as it becomes a necessity that there must be a difference, I, as well as Judge Douglas, am in favor of the race to which I belong, having the superior position. Now, we can go on for a while with that. So there was, you know, issues. Listen, um, he's not a perfect man. Here's the point. He's not. There were there were political reasons why uh, Lincoln did what he did. And um all you need to do is just read a good history on what actually took place there. The arguments coming from the South. Remember that there were over 130 anti-slave societies in uh, the 1830s in the South. There were more anti-slave societies in the South than there were in the North, actually. It wasn't just about the North um, not being racist and the South being racist. There were much more complicated issues involved there. And uh, so that was the, you know, my disagreement would just be on, well, let's, just be let's just tell the truth and let's make sure we you know put all the details in but it was fascinating to see the origin of the democratic party to look at some of the history to see how today how the democratic party announces their platform is an amazing switcheroo yeah they uh they said that the democratic party came out of the ku klux klan and was well, the Ku Klux Klan was part of yeah it was early yeah yeah it was part yeah. of the early Democratic Party and right. the Democratic Party was actually made to keep slavery in around and, and racism around mm. they they were the party this is really interesting what, look at this I'm gonna go ahead and play this because I want to go through this quickly today um, so Elijah Cummings just spoke at the DNC uh, that's hap- that's happening right now Elijah Cummings. Um, I'll go ahead and play this for you. Talk to the Democratic Party. This just goes to show you some of the falsehoods propagated by the Democratic Party today in terms of social justice, equality, uh, voting rights, and those sorts of things. Listen to what he says here. Uh, This just happened, uh, I think uh, this was yesterday that Elijah Cummings said this, which is amazing because I saw Hillary's America yesterday as well. So, Yes, it still is our Democratic Party that champion civil rights and voting rights and voting rights. A lot of applause for that. A lot of applause. Democratic Party champion voting rights. Should we look at the facts? Yeah, let's fact check that because uh, I seem to remember something different about uh, women's right to vote and uh, the... 
the right to vote for yeah. black people. I remember something very different. And by the way, I want to say this before you even say it, Marcus, I want to say, listen, I am not a champion and cheerleader for the Republican Party. I am for Jesus and I am for biblical worldview and who's consistent with that is who I would want to vote for. But, um, you know, there's this stubborn thing called facts and uh, <laughs> history. So let's let's hear about it. The 13th Amendment to abolish slavery was voted for by 100% of the Republicans in Congress. How many? 100%. And, and 23% of the Democrats in Congress. 23%. So does it say there on that? Because I, I looked it up yesterday too. How many voted no? Uh, it doesn't, it was. It would be 70, no, you just, it would be. Some, some were like didn't show, some refused to vote, and there was a, but it was a bunch just no. Yeah. 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 It was, I think it's just like 77% or yeah. something. So uh, not a single one of the 56 Democrats in Congress voted for the 15th Amendment. That granted explicit voting rights to black Americans. Not a single mm. one. Yeah. In 1866, Democrats formed the Ku Klux Klan to pave the way for Democrats to regain control in the elections. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the leaders of the KKK, the, one of the most well-known leader of the KKK was a Democrat in, in office. Yep. So, um, just something to think about. <laughs> uh so Dinesh D'Souza built the film explaining the origins of the Democratic Party, talking about who, which party was actually involved in social justice and civil rights and those sorts of things. Um, and let me just say, it wasn't the Democratic Party. Not by a long shot. Um, it was exactly the opposite. And so just something to think about. But the stuff about Hillary Clinton was, I think terrifying in many respects can i just say that if america gets uh hillary clinton and bill clinton back in the oval that that's what we deserve <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> oh man it's it, it's it's really bad it was it was just, some of the stuff i knew some of the stuff i didn't but let me just say there is so much corruption in that family's life their political life and career and personal lives um it is really astonishing that they've made it as far as they have and to to think that we have the potential for Hillary Clinton really or Donald Trump, but Hillary Clinton specifically, potential for her to become the president of the United States, it really is an amazing thing because you never would have imagined it uh, even 40 years ago that somebody mm. with her belief system would be in the position that she is right now. And there is just so much there. So I highly encourage the film um, Hillary's America. It actually is very good. Again, I don't agree with everything in it. Uh, but I, I think that it's it's a good look at their history and what they believe and what they've actually done. I did say that I thought I thought that Dinesh D'Souza had a lot of courage, a lot of courage for the things that he said in the film. Um, I would be let me just say I would be in fear of my life. Mm. He needs a good security team around I'd him right now. I'd be in fear of my life if I said the things that he said in the film. Um, that's that's how courageous he was to say some of those things. So um, it really is the stuff about Bill Clinton and the affairs and those are on record. People's testimonies, more than two or three witnesses and saying Hillary Clinton attacking the women who accused. Right. Yeah. Trying to it cover it all disgusting. up. Amazing stuff. Wow. So uh, just consider what the Bible says as well in terms of God's judgment. Um, Isaiah chapter 3, God is talking about the judgment on Judah and Jerusalem. And it starts off, Behold, the Lord God of hosts is taking away from Jerusalem and from Judah support and supply, all support of bread and all support of water. Uh, so there's uh, famine there. 
a mighty, the mighty man and the soldier, the judge and the prophet, the diviner and the elder, the captain of 50 and the man of rank, the counselor and the skillful magician and the expert in charms. And I will make boys their princes and infants shall rule over them. So you can see there's a lot of judgment uh, talk there. But if you look in verse 12, it says, My people, infants are their oppressors and women rule over them. It's an epic, epic clip on YouTube. It is Vody Bauckham on Fox News, I think. And he was talking about in the past when, uh, oh, yeah, what's her name was running for president, Palin. yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and Palin, yeah. And uh, he just says it and he does not care. He says it's he did not care. He was like, it's judgment on a nation when you have women rulers like this. And they just were like, oh, what? <laughs> and he's like, I'm, I'm here to preach the word of God, not, <laughs> you know, placate to your sensitivities. So it was amazing. And uh, I encourage the film. I think it's great. So anybody else want to weigh in on the Hillary Sitch? He's a bad, bad person. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so is Trump. Mm. But, you know. Well, I think it says a lot about where we're at as a nation that we have as the two people to choose from that are highlighted by the parties. We have Hillary Clinton on the one hand and Donald Trump on the other. Um, I do agree that we're getting the rulers we deserve. Yeah. They, they, Final judgment they sure. speak to the, the state of our nation. And so what's the answer? It's the gospel. It's faithful preaching of the gospel. It is calling people to repentance and faith. I do want to say something. Um, I know there are Christians who disagree on this issue. I know there are Christians who say, look, I just, I, I know Donald Trump is not a good ruler, but I don't want Hillary Clinton. And so I can't support that. I understand. I'm sympathetic to how they feel about that. I, I understand. But I, I just want to say that, look, we can't solve the problem of the rulers that we have by voting for the lesser of two evils argument. Because if we're, if we're, if we're Calvinists and we believe in the sovereignty of God and we believe what we believe about what God does to change the world and change hearts, if we believe all that stuff, then don't we recognize that God is sovereign over that situation? And don't we recognize that um, voting for the lesser of two evils um, is not how uh, people change? Uh, people change because of the consistent call to repentance and faith. We, if we compromise, if we're compromising what we believe, we were compromising what God's word says, we don't really move forward spiritually, we're moving backwards. So the hope, I think, is, is, in a, is a clear communication of the gospel to the world and repentance and faith. I think that's what we need to do. So anyway, let's move on now. Let's talk for a second and bring glory to God um, in terms of talking about Apologia Church and sort of what is one of our primary missions. Uh, we came from a drug and alcohol rehab facility. It was a hospital. It still exists today. It is no longer a Christian uh, institution by any stretch. Um, But I was a pastor at LifeQuest Church in Phoenix. uh, And at the same time, I was the pastor and the chaplain at uh, this hospital. And I worked there full-time. I worked there for four years full-time. I had the opportunity by God's grace and the circumstances that he gave me to minister, minister to literally thousands of drug and alcohol addicted people. And it was one of the most amazing times of my life. I remember many times thinking, I could do this forever. I could do this absolutely forever. 
I get to preach every day to rooms full of people who were struggling with drug and alcohol addiction, people who are addicted to methamphetamines, to alcohol, to benzodiazepines, to cocaine, to ecstasy, you name it. They were in front of me every single day and I had new faces in front of me every single day. It was such an honor and a gift for God to put me in a position where every day I got to stand in front of groups of people who needed Jesus and were desperate. And it was one of the most humbling experiences of my life. There was not only every day standing before the groups of people, but there was also the one-on-one sessions I got to do every single day for hours a day. At least five people a day had private counseling sessions with me daily. And it was amazing. I got to see God change hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of people. I got to see God bring people to repentance who had spent their entire lives addicted to drugs and alcohol. I got to see people who were addicted to heroin and methamphetamines literally since they were 16 years old. Since they were a teenager and they were 50 some odd years old, I got to see them turn to Christ and lives totally transformed. So Apology of Church, what we were known as Mm -hmm. was what? Drug church. That drug church. Now in the recent news, for some reason we're known that way for a very different reason. (laughs) Um, And it's slander. And it's false. Um, but let me say that when we first started Apologia Church, the elders of Apologia Church laid, laid hands on me. They sent us to do this work. Pastor Luke and I had no help and support. Mm-hmm. Because that LifeQuest Church, the church that I was pastoring at before, couldn't help us at the time. They just weren't in a position um, to help. And so we planted the church from zero. The only people that came with us was our wives, kids, Joy, and who? anybody else? Uh, just a... The- a few, a few of the youth, the youth group, group yeah. yeah. And so we started Apologia Church in the family building of this hospital in a room that was small, tiny, with an air conditioning system that almost never worked. <laughs> and the room was filled with people who were in halfway houses, people whose lives had been blown apart, people who had just turned to Christ out of drugs and alcohol. That was what our church looked like. Mm. It didn't look like a church you started in a suburban area, like, you know, at at a high school with a bunch of different families and different people. This church looked like a bunch of wrecked people. I mean, nobody had two nickels to squeeze together. Right. Um, And some people were still in treatment and people were still even on some medications because they were still getting through the physical aspects of withdrawal and those sorts of things and so what god did was is he allowed us to be a part of something that we never anticipated we never saw it coming it was a church of people who most of whom were unchurched had never walked through the threshold of a church before and these people had just turned their lives over to jesus christ so when we first planted the church the first thing we had to do was do a series on doctrine There's the sign right there. There it is. There's the original banner we had for our first series. It was on basic Christian doctrine. And here's why. These were babies. They didn't know anything. We were starting at the basic stuff. Justification by faith in Christ, through faith alone in Christ alone. Jesus is God, the Trinity, church life, all that stuff. It was really an amazing experience. And today, if you were to walk into Apologia Church and look around, you would see a diverse group of people. You would see people who have never been addicted to drugs and alcohol. You would see families that get mistaken for Mormon, Hmm. for Mormons, uh, with seven 
eight kids, right? Yeah. Is it eight kids? Seven. Seven kids. Um, and you would see uh, people very different. You would see people who come dressed up for church in suit and tie, and you would see people who um, look like preppies, mm-hmm. like you would see the socias and the... the and the... And the uh, greasers. The greasers and the socias. You would see a broad <laughs> spectrum of people. Here's what you would not you see. see. some sheologians. Yes. <laughs> you would not walk into Apologia Church if you didn't know our history and know that this was once a church of people who came out of drug and alcohol addiction. And here's why. While we're all still being sanctified, the people that are there today that have been there since the very beginning, you wouldn't even know. You wouldn't know that they had almost killed themselves shooting heroin. You wouldn't know that some of these people that have been among us um, used their own urine to stir the heroin before they shot it because they didn't have any access to water. You wouldn't know that these people um, were in a drunk driving accident and sliced their jugular open and were bleeding out on the road and should be dead today. You wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know where it came from because God has done so much to sanctify us as a church. But Apologia has had a commitment since the very beginning to come against drunkenness and addiction with the gospel, which means that our view of addiction to drugs and alcohol is thoroughly founded in the scriptures. We think that drunkenness is a wicked sin. We see drunkenness in a category of sins that are listed in scripture um, next to things like murder Mm. and orgies Mm -hmm. and malice and these sorts of things. We see drug and alcohol addiction as idolatry and worthy of eternal death. We think that if you are a drunkard and that's your practice, that's who you are, that identifies the fact that you don't know Jesus Christ. If you live that way unrepentantly, then you don't know Jesus Christ if you're a drunkard because that's what the Bible says. Work of the flesh. That's what it looks like. And if you are not bearing fruit of the Spirit and you live that way, I'm not saying Christians can't fall into that sin and need repentance and need accountability. Of course they do. But if your life is marked by addiction to drugs and alcohol, then it speaks to whether or not the Spirit of God is present in your life. We call people to repentance and faith out of drug and alcohol addiction. My own personal story is available on YouTube, Apologia Studios. And that is my story of coming out of drug and alcohol addiction via repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. That's how God changed my own life. But Apologia Church, from the very beginning, has repudiated any lifestyle of addiction to drugs and alcohol or even excess. Apologia Church has even disciplined people early on. It was a struggle. Early on, it was... Oh, yeah, Pastor Luke is showing me. Yep. He carries it with him always. He has in his pocket or in his ba- his backpack, he has our Apologia Church official breathalyzer. Yep. A pastor that carries an official Apologia breathalyzer. Why? Because that's where our church came from. And that's the kind of levels of accountability that we use at Apologia Church for those sorts of things. Um, but let me just go back here we have actually early on pastor luke do you i was trying to think about this do you know how many instances of church discipline we had in the first two years is it is it eight it's around that yeah they would think it was eight around eight yeah different instances of church discipline one night we had two instances of church discipline the same sunday night 
and it was brutal because we were a small church and we were also very close and intimate um if if somebody is an apology at church and they do not repent of drug and alcohol addiction it's an issue of church discipline for us um we believe that alcohol addiction is not a disease as a matter of fact a lot of people talk about even as christians they talk about alcoholics and alcoholism and they are unwittingly um, actually feeding into a secular and unbiblical view of addiction, and they just don't know it. Um, the term alcoholism was actually coined in 1849 uh, by a man named Magnus Huss. And the term itself was created to get away from, I think, a more biblical worldview about what drunkenness is. So at the time, people call it drunk, drunkard, drunkenness, mm-hmm. right? There's a bit, that's biblical terminology identify it as ultimately a sinful choice, right? Well, there was a switch to what they thought was more clinical, and that was dealing with the physical aspect, and that is that it is a disease. So when you use words like alcoholic and alcoholism, you are using a term that was coined to get away from a biblical model of addiction to alcohol and to actually describe the disease model of addiction, it's not a choice. It's a disease. You're an addict. You will always be an addict. All those different things. Now, we do believe that there are physical aspects to addiction. Addiction's a beast. And there are spiritual um, uh, foundations. It is sin, ultimately. It is idolatry. It needs to be repented of, and you need to turn to Christ. But there are also physical aspects of toxicity. You need detox, those sorts of things. If you're addicted to benzodiazepines, you better not just stop. Someone says, you just need to repent and believe. Well, you could die. Benzodiazepines, if you stop, you're, you can go into, you can have a grandma seizure. You can have all kinds of problems. Detox is good. There are physical issues. We understand that. But listen, the world today, many people see addiction as a brain disease. They hold the disease addiction model. We don't believe that. We don't use the term alcoholism, alcoholic. We stay away from it because... We want to stick to the biblical issues and we want to call people to repentance and faith. And so I'll let you guys talk for a moment about, let's talk about the history of apology at church. Talk about addiction. <laughs> no, it's funny. We, um, I always tell people that it was really cool when we first started the church because we had so many people. I would say the first two years, maybe even three years at 75% of our our body were brand new baby Christians and never even been to church. So it was cool to be able to see, to like show them what church is. They didn't come with, you know, a preconceived notion of what they thought church should be like. So we, so we are able to breed like this really cool, like um, transparency amongst people because they would come in. You could tell when somebody was hurt, you could tell when somebody was struggling because they would just wear it. They didn't come or in. They would with just their, tell you. Or they would just say, hey, I have, uh, here's 10 pills of ecstasy. Can right. we flush them? Um, you know, and so um, nobody came to church with their Sunday game face on. Um, if they came in and they were hurt and they were struggling, you'd know it. And um, which is, you know, it's. I think it's still even today. We still have that um, because we were able to breathe that from the beginning. So were you going to say something, Joy? I just think we got like... Everybody involved in the beginning of Apologia got a crash course in ministry. And I think that we learned a lot. You guys especially learned a lot about church discipline. And I don't think it's something that you guys take lightly. Mm -mm. And it's absolutely our response to 
addiction. Uh, and not just because, like, we read it once, but because we, like, learned it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, drug and alcohol addiction has been a primary part of our ministry. That's what we're known for. As a matter of fact, we get contacted all the time from people across the nation who know mm-hmm. our church, our ministry, they know our origins, and they know that that is an area of specialty for us. I have two published articles online about drug and alcohol addiction and the gospel. I'm writing a book right now on drug and alcohol addiction that is going to go together with a film that we're making that can be used by churches to actually have a distinctly biblical model of drug and alcohol addiction, calling to repentance and faith in Jesus, talking about sanctification, talking about Mm -hmm. accountability, talking about being in the local church under um, uh, elders and authorities who can shepherd you and care for you. Um, It's really interesting because um, I'll just, I'll go ahead and bring it up. Recently, uh, someone did a hit piece on Apologia Church. They had sought to do one before, but I think they were stopped from doing it. Um, and I won't go into all the details about that right now. You guys can read about it at ApologiaRadio.com. And if you've been keeping up with uh, Dr. James White, you know a few of the details of what's been happening. Um, recently, there was a hit piece done on us, and there is this uh, a completely different face that has been painted by some people about Apologia Church, and it really is confusing. It's confusing to the members of Apologia Church, <laughs> mm-hmm. for one thing. It's confusing to anybody that knows our ministry and knows what we preach on all the time and it's probably particularly confusing for anybody that's been under, put under church discipline by us that actually is yeah. back now yeah uh, we have people that we put under discipline that by god's yep. grace he brought back um and it's particularly different probably confusing for them and it's confusing for all the people that we've actually worked together with on a regular basis in discipleship and sanctification in areas of accountability so let's talk about that for example um if you were at Apologia Church, you would know just how very little alcohol has to do with our life as a church. How very little. Mm. As a matter of fact, anytime we talk about beer or alcohol at Apologia Church, I would say nine times out of ten, it is in terms of repentance right. and faith. It is in terms of sanctification. It is in terms of idolatry and if somebody's abusing it. But let's just talk about sanctification for a moment now and uh, apology at church and, say, drugs or alcohol. Um, Joy, let's have you talk about that for a second. So we talked <laughs> about it before, so let's, let's bring that up. Okay, well, um, so that little uh, handy-dandy breathalyzer that Luke was holding onto earlier, he was holding onto it again. He's rubbing it on his face. It's weird. Um, so uh, that... I mean, I know that there were times when we would we would breathalyze people because there was like we would suspect that they had been drinking, but in many cases people would ask to be breathalyzed as yeah. an accountability right. measure, and I think that's uh, obviously evidence of God sanctifying people's hearts. And um, if you think that I'm just like talking and saying wonderful things, I was one of those people. Mm. <laughs> I asked Luke and Jeff. I mean, they really. They really went through the ringer with me, trying to sanctify me of my drunkenness. And, um, you know, it's something that, like, like Jeff, you were saying earlier, that people may not even know or may not even think. But uh, I could tell you stories and you'd be like, that, you would never do that. But I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, my story is a little bit different than some of the people that uh, came out of Calvary and went, I was obviously a part of the church before... Uh, 
you know, I was a part of Apologia we, Christian Ministries. We've known you since you were in youth group. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I did youth ministry with these guys. And so the story, you know, looks a little bit different, but the approach wasn't, the approach to it wasn't different at all. Um, I was threatened with uh, them notifying my job of what was going on and losing my job. Uh, Jeff's wife drove me to detox and sat there with me through the intake. And um, I mean, it's not something, I'm shocked that that we would be um, even considered lovers of drunkenness or that we would promote it because you guys actually... Not only did you not promote drinking in my life, you you promoted me not drinking. I mean, like, you know, like yeah. it um essentially you promoted holiness and obedience, and that's what we promote yeah. at Apologia. We're yeah. committed to sanctification. We're not we're not committed to looking cool by, you know, drinking or whatever. Um and you, I, you guys have never encouraged me to drink. You've in fact encouraged me not to because of the issue of addiction, um, we cannot say and be consistently biblical that alcohol is in some sense a sin. Right. Um, because of all the glowing ways by which God describes alcohol. Wine was used as part of the drink offering. Right. Let, me, let me be yeah. clear. Yeah. I, I was drinking enough to kill me. Yeah. I wasn't like taking a drink and they were like, Ooh, one beer. Mm, yeah. No, like right. it wasn't too much I like should have, I should have like, they picked me up from the hospital. That's how much I was drinking. So like, um, you know, there, there's obviously a difference yes. between, um, enjoying alcohol to the glory of God mm-hmm. and alcohol being God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that gets to the point. When I was at this hospital, I got in, called into the principal's office uh, virtually every other day, at least at least one or two times a week, because what I was saying in the Christian program was in direct conflict with what they were saying in the secular program. They were saying um, our, our addiction is a disease. They were saying, um, ultimately, you're never not going to be an addict. And what I would say in full description and all these classes I was teaching and all the counseling I was doing, I was saying that drug and alcohol addiction is idolatry that needs to be repented of. You are seeking in the drugs or alcohol something you can only have in God. You need peace, so you go to the heroin. You need forgiveness. You need to forget your sin. You need to forget what you've done, and so you try to wash it away with uh, a bottle of vodka. And like one famous person said, um, the problem with trying to rid yourself of your guilt and shame with alcohol is uh, is that uh, guilt and shame can swim <laughs> very, very well. And uh, I, bl- I believe that. Um, but people go to these substances, these things. They go to sex, they go to drugs, they go to alcohol to get what they can only have in Jesus Christ. And so we cannot say, though, like many people with secular models say, that you are always an addict, that is your brain disease, that is your identity forever, and ultimately total abstinence. And because this is some sort of an evil substance in some way, even some Christians will say, well, it's it's sin. Alcohol is sin. Well, there's a problem with that. And that is that, again, God speaks so highly about alcohol and even speaks in terms about blessing his people with the choicest of wines in a banquet. What's that mean? He's going to give you the best grape juice. 
<laughs> no. And, and let's think about Jesus' miracle, his first miracle, a public miracle, is what? Is turning water into wine yep. at a party. And it was not grape juice. It was at a party, and it was wine, and drunkenness would have been forbidden, and it would have been called out, and people would have been called to repentance. It would have been seen as a wicked sin to be drunk, but Jesus still turned water into actual alcohol, a very good alcoholic wine. That's what he did. Also, one of the primary things Jesus gave us as part of our worship together was wine. As a matter of fact, listen, somebody went so far as to suggest that Apologia Church doesn't hold to the the regulative principle of worship, which is confusing to the leadership at Apologia Church who talks about that and, and the Presbyterian who makes sure... All the time. <laughs> um, but what's interesting here, watch, we're so committed to Scripture actually dictating how we worship God that we were under the conviction that not only should we do it regularly, but we should do it in the way that God prescribed and we actually have wine in, at our communion. Um, that's how we feel about the issue. But we certainly wouldn't, wouldn't want to go against the Scriptures by calling it sin... And so we don't. And so when people who came out of drug and alcohol addiction would come to me and finally say, well, Pastor Jeff, what do I do about the issue of alcohol? Do I completely abstain? My, my question to the person is always this. Well, who's God in your life? Mm-hmm. When, do, you still, do you still think about alcohol to escape? Do you still think about alcohol for peace? Do you still think about alcohol for pleasure in place of God? Where is alcohol in your life now? Where is this thing in your life now? And for people at Apologia Church who still struggle with alcohol in terms of it being an idol, we call them to repentance and we tell them to be accountable. And we have things like breathalyzers in their life to make sure that we keep them accountable so they no longer go to that idol for peace. Mm. That's how we feel about alcohol and drugs at Apologia Church. And our church is sold out for this ministry. That's what we love to do, want to do. And you will hopefully see very, very soon the first trailer for Redeemed Rebels. It is Apologia Church's distinctive uh, view on addiction. So let's talk about that for a moment. Well, I got a couple uh, passages I was going to go to. Um, First one being Matthew 11, 18 and 19. It says, for John came, John the Baptist neither eating nor drinking. So he was he didn't drink alcohol, right? And what the people say, dude has a demon, he doesn't drink alcohol. So he wasn't drinking alcohol and they thought he had a demon. Keep that in mind. Then verse 19, the son of man came eating and what? Drinking. So Christ came and guess what? He was drinking alcohol. And they said, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard. Something needs to be said about that too. Yeah. Is I mean the accusations against John the Baptist were pretty deep, but um, for Jesus, he had he had obviously had alcohol in certain contexts that other people saw, mm-hmm. that other people were aware of, mm-hmm. to the degree that they actually accused him of being a drunkard. Now it was false, right? It was a false right. accusation, but they accused him of being a drunkard, and he absolutely was not, right? So there is uh, something to that discussion that I think would be good and healthy for us to have is that Jesus wasn't pretending like he didn't drink, but alcohol right. was in its proper context. When right. God became a man, alcohol was in its proper context. 
The Bible speaks very highly about alcohol. I'll give you an example. Isaiah 62, 8 through 9. The Lord has sworn by his right hand and by his mighty arm. Never again will I give your grain as food for your enemies. And never again will foreigners drink the new wine for which you have toiled. But those who harvest it will eat and praise the Lord. And those who gather the grapes will drink it in the courts of my sanctuary. Um, but it also speaks in the Bible about the acts of the flesh. In Galatians five nineteen through 21. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we say to that, Amen. Amen. It's a serious sin. And yeah. um, needs to be addressed as such. Yeah, I was, I was just, um, to just finish that verse, he says, uh, you know, they accuse you of being drunker. Then he says, and a friend of tax collectors and sinners, uh, which we probably were accused of. That's weird. No, it was a drug church. Mm. We, we had a bunch of sinners at our church, right? Um, so he says, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Um, and so then from there, I wanted to go to Proverbs 9. Speaking of wisdom, Proverbs 9, 1 through 8. Uh, so wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. This is wisdom has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come Eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. So, I mean, I when I I found that verse just the last couple of weeks with everything that's been going on, and I was like, wow. So, here we talk about Jesus, you know, being accused of a drunkard. He talks about wisdom, and then if you go look at Proverbs, it's saying wisdom itself makes fine wine you know so um that was pretty eye-opening to me even just recently as as far as uh you know just the the call to like have nothing to do with alcohol and it being sin and and you mentioned debauchery like that word being thrown around uh that's pretty serious and definitely not something we promote here mm. And I think the people who would be most shocked by the recent accusations after the hit piece, and by the way, the hit piece um, turned into uh, other national Christian, quote unquote, news organizations actually expanding upon. Chinese telephone. And so there was actually an article that was titled, uh, like, Arizona Church Holds Bible, Beer, and Tattoo Conference. Absolutely, undeniably false. It was just false witness. They called Marcus the leader of Apologia. Yeah, and they called Marcus the leader of a leader of Apologia Church. Um, so just and, and I, I sent a message to the person that wrote that article, asking her to contact me so we could clarify some details. And they never responded. They didn't care. That's because it shares too good. Yeah, it shares wanna, way too good. I just, I just, I just don't trust Christian journalism anymore. Just to see how easy it just spreads and you there's just no context and you just makes you wonder what can you believe about other things so speaking to the issue itself let's just make sure that it's it's clear um the the people who would be most startled by some of the recent accusations and false witness are the people of apologia church it, it would be the people of apologia church it would be the it, people who have been sanctified yeah it just it doesn't 
it doesn't make sense. Mm. Um, anything that's been said has been said out of ignorance. Mm-hmm. I can assure you. Yeah. From I mean, I, I I can't speak to the person's heart, but they just don't know what they're talking about. Right. Um. So, uh, but I want to talk for a second about so sure. like we've established that like we can glorify god through alcohol mm-hmm. by drinking enjoying alcohol sure um no matter what i say i'm sure this is going to be misunderstood in some way so i would like to just talk to maybe the person that is addicted to drugs or alcohol that is listening yes. to this podcast please do <laughs> please do okay yeah. um i don't know i mean i guess i was thinking more of like a discussion but yeah so i i guess we could start off by talking about like why people use drugs and alcohol so you you yeah. listed off like you know it is idolatry but um it's something also that people use to like cope with god not being truth or real mm-hmm. like they and i think that speaks to the whole like even the label of alcoholism like mm-hmm. we had to create that label so that um like god didn't have to be real you know um so un- if he's real line, yeah. he's real then you know, then we have to actually like deal with certain issues. But yeah, if if you if you say in your heart that there is no God, then um, you have to like you. The outcome is that you have to come up with reasons why you do the things you do, and so usually that ends up being there's like a psychology behind it and stuff like that. But um, well, I watched a, I've been watching some documentaries on drug addiction to get ready for the Redeem Rebel stuff that we're going to be doing. And I was watching one by Vice, and the guy was saying how addiction is evolutionary. Yep, that's because, a disease model. Yep. Yeah. So because because these people who are addicts have an evolved sense of I guess pleasure in their brain mm. that they can't stop. So like they just can't. They'll never be able to enjoy alcohol again. They'll never be able to drink again. They'll never be able to use it rightly because. That's just the way their body reacts to alcohol. Mm. Well, and if, I mean, should they stop? If it's really like the universe creating them, mm-hmm. I mean, is there any reason? Is right. There any like, why do we still? It? Why do we still encourage people like that? We that the world labels as alcoholics to go to rehab if that's just how they are. Like, right. if a if a person, I mean, if a person has a physiological disease, they. I don't know what, how I'm trying to say this. I can't think of a good well, way to say there's, this. There's no what's what's the benefit of sobriety? Right. If they they've evolved this way, it's right. just the nature of things. Why sobriety? Right. Why is that something to pursue? Yeah. If, um, if your body is just more highly evolved, right. In for pleasure, like right. Then why isn't that just sort of a natural occurrence? Like yeah. I guess maybe the response would be that. Well, there are um, like societal consequences yeah. for people using drugs and alcohol. And my answer or, to that is, so what? Right, if exactly. In an unbeliever's anthropology, so what? Yeah. Right. Why is drunk driving an issue? Survival of the fittest. You could. You I mean, can that's make real, all kinds of, right you, there. You can, but make, that's like yeah. that's really yeah. what it comes down to. Like, right. um, so we're saying that that's absolutely not what's happening mm-hmm. um, and that's absolutely not I wish that I could say I was just a more highly evolved person and that's why I did the things that I did but uh, that's not true mm-hmm. um, and the point is, is that there's a lot of reasons why people do drugs and alcohol or I, a better way to put that would be there's a lot of reasons why people um, seek idols to help them deal with 
shame or looking for peace or whatever. Yeah. And um, those are those are a lot of them are uh, things that uh, whole of humanity deals with. And I think we all all of us humans have addictive personalities. If you want to say there's such thing as an addictive personality, I think we're all an idolatrous personality. Right, exactly. Exactly. Like we just, we, um, you know, our hearts are idol factories. Yes. (laughs) And that's, that's our main argument, by the way, in Apologia Church is that we look at Romans one. And by the way, Romans one is not simply a passage that describes the experience of the atheist who switches God for an idol and suppresses the truth of God and unrighteousness. Romans chapter one really identifies the, the foundational problem in all of humanity. We know God. We don't want God in our knowledge. Paul says in Romans one, we suppress the truth of God and unrighteousness. And it says we do what we switch God for an idol. So John Calvin says that the human heart is a natural idol making factory. It is never idle in making idols. It is always at work. And so the problem of addiction to drugs and alcohol and abuse of drugs and alcohol is for the simple fact that we are in the image of God and it is inescapable. We cannot help being in the image of God. We cannot help being image bearers of God. You will need peace. Why? God is the God of peace. And if you are separated from him in relationship with him, then you will not be able to say, I don't need peace. You're in the image of God. God is the God of peace. You'll seek peace, but you'll seek it elsewhere. When you need forgiveness, when you need to get rid of the guilt and shame, you'll go somewhere for it. People Mm -hmm. do it sometimes in religion. They create gods of their own imagination. They create little systems of soteriology that'll work for them to get salvation and forgiveness. The cleansing rituals wash the shame away. And some people do it with a bottle of Jack Daniels. Try to forget They don't want to remember. And so we always go to the idol for what we can only have in God. And sometimes, watch, it's not drugs and alcohol. Sometimes it's a relationship. Sometimes it's a person. Sometimes it's sex. Sometimes it's, uh, I need intimacy. I need real intimacy. And so what do they do? They go into a life of addiction to pornography. It's an idol. Same stuff. Now, there are physiological aspects of it that actually in pornography are very directly connected to the same kind of physiological uh, elements in drug and alcohol addiction, right? You, you're trying to get the same kind of response. We're creatures that are not simply spiritual creatures. We're also physical creatures. And so there's physical aspects to this and there's spiritual aspects to it. But I want to say the spiritual aspects are the foundational reason, reasons why we actually go to drug and alcohol for what we can only have in God. Right. And the spiritual here quote unquote is the only thing that's actually gonna that's right fix yep. anything that's you're right. not gonna and you know it's not something that just like happens overnight you don't just um i mean i don't know like if someone was listening right now and they were like i don't like this i don't want to do this anymore like we would tell them to check into a detox center depending on what you've been doing yeah. rehab yeah um but then like where do we go from there we deal you with get the into a church yes um because I mean, there's just this is such a this is a topic that we could really spend so much time on, and we have because yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. because there is something you know that you don't want to gloss over, and something that um, hit pieces gloss over is the real darkness of not having God. Yes, and trying to desperately find a way to peace or forgiveness or healing or whatever whatever it may be. Um, there's legitimate darkness there and um we don't think it's cool i don't think it's cool i've been there right (laughs) and it's not cool it's really there's ugliness and then um it's 
deceiving too, because uh, sometimes it feels it does its job. The idol does its job. The counterfeit appears to be real. Um, and so, I mean, really, I mean, the only way that you can really be free from it is through Christ. That's right. Um, so nothing that I say right now is going to like fix anybody or anything like that. But, um, you know, I have been sanctified of drunkenness through accountability. Um, and sometimes just like self-control. Sometimes, I, you know, you don't want to abstain from certain things, but you have to. You're fruit of the spirit, y'all. Right. Um, and like I said, again, those things don't, you don't really, ex- you don't exhibit the fruits of the spirit without Christ changing your heart. So yes. um, I wish there was a way that I could just like wave a wand and everyone who's listening right now, your hearts were changed. But um, right. Yeah. <laughs> the key is repentance and faith. The yeah. key is a new heart. The key is the indwelling presence of the spirit of God in your life. And the, what I emphasized always at the hospital, which got me in trouble constantly, I emphasized the local church. Yeah. And I got busted constantly. Mm. They would say, you cannot tell people, Pastor Jeff, that the local church and going to church is more important than going to their meetings. <laughs> and I, wow. would say, I would say, fire me. I yeah. literally would say, well, they have to fire me. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, is, well, no, we're not going to fire you. They were making millions of dollars. And their Christian program. They advertise as a Christian, right. pro- Christian program. Yeah. They say, we're not going to fire you. Uh, I say, well, I'm not going to stop preaching that in the Christian program, there is a need for repentance of faith in Christ alone, and there is a need for the local church, pastors, brothers and sisters in your life, mentoring yeah. you, uh, confessing your sins to one another, praying for one another so you right. may be healed. All that needs to take place. That has to happen. You need shepherds in your life that will oversee your life and 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 care for your souls as is their yeah. responsibility well and because so, you're gonna i mean and really even outside of drugs and alcohol you're going to you're gonna go fellowship somewhere you're yeah. gonna have an overseer of your soul somewhere like it just i don't know i i guess anyone who's listening right now i would just encourage you to find a good church and go yeah <laughs> well we've actually I've actually described AA as a cult mm-hmm. yeah uh, and I have said that AA is a religion because yeah. it has its priests yep. it has right. your sponsors right. it has its religious text it quotes from copiously mm-hmm. they actually tell people to memorize the big book and sections in the big book what does it say the bible is not the standard it has its mandatory weekly meetings that you must attend. People would say to me, I'm not religious, Pastor Jeff. I'm a spiritual person, but I'm not religious. I'm not into the church thing and the religion thing. I'd say, oh, you're not. Uh, well, well, tell me, whether do you have your 12 commandments? Do you have your priest that you must meet? Do you have your mandatory weekly meetings that you must attend? Do you have a book that you quote from as your standard? And they'd, oh, well, yes. Tell me how that's not religious. Right. Tell me how that's not religious. It is religious. And it's and, a works-based religion, And it's religion very much too. a works-based religion. You're trying exactly. to earn salvation through chips. And, and, and there's no hope. Because right. your identity is always what? Yes. Hi, I'm Bob, and I'm an alcoholic. Right. right? That's your identity for good. What AA and HA and NA cannot do for you is give you a new identity that Jesus does when he makes you a new creature, a new creation. Uh, it cannot change your heart. So let me ask you, Summer. You've been at Apologia Church for a while now. Um, do you? Let me, I don't want to. Do you want to say anything as, you, as you're listening right now? Before I ask the question, or you want to? 
Oh, go ahead. Okay, so let me ask you because you um, haven't been here since the beginning, mm -hmm. but you you've it's been what about a year? Last September, October. Okay, so um, how much does alcohol have to do with the life and fellowship at Apologia Church? What would you say? I mean, I haven't had any alcohol at any. It has nothing to do with it, other than communion. I have not been introduced to alcohol in any venue whether it's a reach group or fellowship or I just hasn't been a part of it um, is this something that we promote is it something that you see people talking about is what, what do you think I think largely the church I think AA I think pushing Christians to AA is negligent but I think in a lot of ways churches have also been negligent on this issue okay yes um, mm -hmm. You know, I know a guy who went to, he was seeking counseling for an addiction issue, and I pushed him to a church that I thought um, would be a good resource. Yeah. And he was super broken, and he left his meeting with the counselor there with a book called How to Pray for Your Wife. And completely broken, completely lost, went back to using. Um, and I feel like Apologia might be like the one that I know personally that I could push someone to who was having this issue and they would actually get a gospel-based response on what to do. Mm. And, um, you know, I've been involved in a lot of, like, addiction circles and I actually don't know of a church who has the view that Apologia has yeah. um, because so much of it, the churches response to these issues is so based on AA and worldly ideas and the idea of once an addict always an addict and dealing with things in maybe like a an AA that's been repackaged as more Christianese yeah right um, and so honestly like being a part of Apologia this is like the first time I've been around like quote Christian rehabs but this is the first time I have seen this issue dealt with this way with gospel first and not some kind of like, how can we mix up the AA model with kind of the gospel-ish? Yeah. Right. Celebrate mm -hmm. Recovery is that. Yeah. It's, it's um, you know, it's AA with a Bible verse smacked on to a step. But Christ isn't the center. Repentance and faith is not talked about. And, and you know what else? Um, holiness. Mm. Pursuing holiness. Let me just say this too. This is important for people to hear. Um, the kind of books that we recommend for people when we talk about sanctification and holiness, uh, J.C. Ryle, yeah. Holiness. If you haven't read that book yet, highly recommend it. You heard me talk about it before. It will kick your teeth in. And that is the book that we recommend to people, Holiness by J.C. Ryle, Pursuing Holiness. Here's what we believe. We believe what Hebrews says, that if you do not pursue holiness, you will not see God. You must pursue holiness or you will not see God. Um, if, it's, if sanctification is not a part of your life, if putting down idols is not a part of your life, then you don't know God. You will not see God. Because, you see, something happens when a person comes to Jesus Christ and they're raised to newness of life. When they're raised and joined together with Jesus Christ, the old person is put away. You have a new heart. You're indwelt by God. You are new and raised, resurrected with Jesus Christ. And so that means that God will complete 
what he started in mm-hmm. your life. And it says that he that began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so God will finish what he started. So if sanctification is not happening in your life, then that means we focus on repentance and faith. And so that's the thing we go to is the heart issue. Do you still long for drugs and alcohol? Are you still sold out for this idol? Then you need to focus on repentance and faith and being humble before God and recognizing your sin before God. Uh, that's how we, we continuously focus on the issue of addiction. I'm going to say this too. I'm gonna, for people who are listening, they might be struggling with drugs and alcohol right now. The issue is spiritual fundamentally. It is an issue of, of sin and it's pursuing something in place of God, right? We recognize that. But I, I will say there are other aspects to this that you need to focus on as well. Like it's, it's repentance and faith. But if you, are, if you have been taking benzodiazepines, like I said before, you cannot just stop. You mm-hmm. must get detox, medical detox. You need help. Uh, not long ago, before these medical detoxes popped up, before we had the ability to do well, it. What kind of drug is that? Is uh, there like a it name? It has of the a drug? same chemical effect as alcohol on the brain. Xanax huh? is like the most. Xanax Benzodiazepine, okay. yeah. Okay. So um, it has, it's, a, it's basically alcohol and a pill. Think about it that way. Um, and what, what, listen, this is really cool because I had to do a lot of studying when I got into this really full time. Do you know what uh, pastors used to do? when they had ministries to uh, drunks, when they would come in, they, of course they preached the word to them and preached the gospel to them. But they recognize if this person's drinking uh, two bottles of whiskey a day or 36 beers a day, which I have had in front of me before, believe me, um, they recognize you cannot just stop. Yeah. Right? So what the pastors used to do with these ministries is they'd preach the word to them, preach the gospel to them, and they would give them shots of alcohol to taper them down so that they didn't die. Right. Yeah. So there, there are physical aspects. Another thing too, listen, is that it's a fact that chemically you you blow your brain up chemically when you use these drugs for long periods of time, and so it takes about six months to a year for your brain to rebalance the chemistry. So you have moments of highs and lows, even as a Christian. You repent and believe. You have a new heart, but then physically you go through this really torturous. Um, path where you have moments of great depression and that depression gets there obviously there's spiritual issues but you know mostly in that case physical your brain is all fried yeah and it needs time you need time to rebalance and so there's a period of time where you need a lot of close watching and help and mentoring and all those different things and so there's a lot of aspects to this but you have to focus on all of them and i do want to say by the grace of god we were blessed to be able to be able to be a part of this kind of ministry to such a degree that we learn how to walk through all those things with mm-hmm. people, the, the spiritual aspects and the physical aspects. And uh, it was re- it was a tremendous blessing to be a part of it. And it is a tremendous blessing to be a part of it. Um, let's do this. Let's take a quick break, come right back. And we're actually going to respond to some of the specific things that have been said. Hopefully it's a, it's a blessing to you guys. And it's an encouragement to you guys. Um, to hear some 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 quick responses again i am going to do a dividing line with dr james white responding to some things that have been said just so that um it's clear and so that the church is blessed and if you guys have been impacted by some of the falsehoods that have been spread you will hopefully have your mind put at ease um and and um encouraged uh in the midst of all this so we will be right back quick break we're going to respond to just a couple of things here in just a moment Ladies and gentlemen, 
and beauties and beasts, I have some good news for you. But in order for me to tell you the good news, I must share with you the bad. A beard can be a most magnificent thing, but it can also be the downfall of a man. An unmaintained beard prevents a face from shining. An unmaintained beard causes dry, itchy skin. An unmaintained beard is a source of beardruff. You know, like dandruff, but beardruff. An unmaintained beard is sharp and ruthless, like iron bristles, not good for the lady friend. An unmaintained beard forfeits future growth based on the lack of preparation today. And let's not forget that an unmaintained beard robs your face from smelling amazing. Let not thy beard be thy downfall. Protect your manlyhood. An epic combination of manliness and manhood. If you are hearing this today, there is hope for your beard. Go to yukonsbeard.com and enter the code APOLOGIA and you can save some money while you save your face. Hi, this is Warner with Apologia Radio. I want to ask for y'all good friends of ours to go on and click that button there and become my friends on the book face. Facebook backslash Apologia Radio. Become my friend on YouTube. That there to twerker. The twerker. I want to I talk to you on the twerking. And send me out a twerk. What? Where, what? Twitter. Apologia Radio on Twitter. I also want to tell you we talk about apologetics and theology and we do a lot of swing dancing and we make a delicious chicken gravy. PaulJailRadio.com Summer, Joy, Pastor Luke, Marcus. I know it's a rather long episode today, but hopefully it's a gift to you guys and a blessing. Um, so here's the thing. We want you guys to know something about the policy of Apologia Church, what we try to do on a regular basis. Um, oftentimes, uh, the internet affords plenty of opportunity for people to sin. Uh, we all have sin to deal with. We're all a work in progress, all still under construction. All have signs over our heads that say God at work. And so we're all guilty at times of, of all a host of different things. But the internet affords plenty of opportunity for people to sin in ways they wouldn't do normally face-to-face with flesh and blood. Slander, for some reason, is not seen as slander as long as it's on the internet. Gossip is not gossip on the internet. And a lot of times, the standards that God actually gives to us in terms of confirmation, uh, we don't use. Uh, the two or three witnesses, um, that's an Old Testament standard, is drawn from by Jesus, specifically even in Matthew 18, <laughs> the under church discipline. It's also drawn from by the Apostle Paul. So I'd say we can all agree that the um, standards in Scripture in terms of how you confirm things should be something we all are committed to and hold to. But... On the internet, oftentimes, we don't see such a rigorous commitment to confirmation, asking somebody, well, what happened? What what do you really believe about this? Sometimes people do entire shows and blogs about people that are just filled with false witness. And what we have committed to as a ministry is to not assault our listeners on a regular basis by being the Christian version of TMZ. Mm-hmm. We have committed to not assault our listeners with regular gossip, talking bad about personalities. We've tried our very best. If we've ever failed, please forgive us. We want to repent of that. We've tried our best. We've been committed for quite some time 
to not engage in mudslinging and back and forth uh, attacks on personalities, but to deal with this issues. And hey, can I say something about yes, that? Yes, please. So there's a good proverb. There's a lot of good proverbs, by the way. You should read them. <laughs> there's a good one. Uh, this is, this is one of the, the good ones. <laughs> and it says, it's had me thinking about social media a lot. It says, for lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. And I think like when we share stuff that is slanderous and gossip, just sharing the Facebook post or just sharing it on Facebook, that's whispering in a way. Like it keeps it going and then you share it. And then people comment and talk about it on their Facebook page. I think we got to just be a lot more cautious as to what we share on Facebook. Because it's, it's really easy to just get involved in gossip. Or if you screenshot something someone says on Facebook and you post it in a group and you say, did you see what this person said? And, you know, like that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's all part of the gossip. Mm-hmm. And can, I, can I share another proverb real quick? Sure. Well, let's just share proverbs. Let's do it. Uh, I just shared it last night, actually. Uh, proverbs 25, 17 through 18. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. A man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a war club, a sword, or a sharp arrow. Wow. Sin is still sin on the internet. And sin on the internet is still sin that matters to God. And sin on the internet is still sin that Jesus died for. And I, it's something I, I remind myself of. There are times where I ask myself before I post something, have I confirmed this? Do I know for sure? And I ask myself when I post this, is it sin? What are my motivations? Why am I saying this? And I ask myself, is this something that I would do if I was face to face with the person? It's just sort of what I try to filter through myself. As much as I am a work in progress and I still am being sanctified by God, those are some things I always try to hold to. Okay, so quickly, I know that uh, Summer actually has to go. She's a mom, and she has to take care of some her family. Um, I wanted to address a few things quickly that um, she's been around for, so uh, just two or three witnesses. I think we can hang with that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so... The hit piece was done, and it spread into a number of other pieces, um, and uh, there was false information, things like Marcus Pittman being a leader at Apologia Church. There was, again, the Bible, Beer, and Tattoo Conference. Let me just address that. We did ReformCon. ReformCon was such a blessing. ReformCon had Dr. Scott... Oliphant, it had Dr. James White, it had Luke Pearson, it had, we did stuff on Calvinism, Sola Scriptura, it was such a blessing. Nate Wilson was such a gift at that conference, and so it was just tremendous. John Sampson, amazing, just solid reformed truths. Um, we had, or we had done this with Reform Pub, the Reform Pubcast, and the Reformed Pub, if you know about it, they will often post sort of a tradition of theirs to have local pub meetups. So you'll see people in San Francisco, I think, uh, say uh, San Francisco Reform Pub Meetup, right? And you'll have people that met on Reform Pub and uh, they get together and they take a picture. They're all out together talking about Jesus and maybe having a beer or whatever together. Um, and that happens across the country. So because we were team- teaming up with the Reform pub and reform Pubcast. um we also had the opportunity we figured for them to do their meetups and so that was encouraged yeah you have your time together talk theology go to the local pubs do your thing reform pub and apologia church teaming up that's kind of what was understood we had a single organized meetup we had 
officially for the conference. And it was on the last day of the conference mm-hmm. on a Saturday. And uh, it was in the afternoon. And technically at, the conference was over. The conference was over and it was afterwards and everyone showed up there to eat together to fellowship. And our friend Eric owns a restaurant in Tempe. He is an amazing man. And we know Eric from years back doing ministry. And Eric, every year, it helps Apologia Church and our mission to feed the homeless. And so what Eric does is he gives up his restaurant and he gives up his money and food. And he has his chefs cook food in mass quantities while we go around Tempe, literally hunting down homeless people to put them into our cars, to bring them back to the restaurant, to feed them, to give them Bibles, the gospel, clothes, uh, toothbrushes, toothpaste, and socks, yeah. and blankets, and all that stuff. So Eric, every year, basically gives up his restaurant and donates to the work of Apologia Church to feed the homeless. In this case, because we're going to his restaurant, after the conference and this one organized meetup of ReformCon, he gave up his money for any beer sampler that anybody purchased um, to go towards the mission of Apologia Church. Now, that's not very newsworthy, in my estimation. (laughs) And that's what happened. Were any tattoos offered at ReformCon? Zero. Were any tattoos done at ReformCon? No. Did we have a Bible, beer, and tattoo conference? Absolutely not. Did our friend Eric give up some of his own personal money he made from the beer samplers after the conference at one fellowship gathering? Did he give up that money to the Mission of Apology at Church? Yes, he did. Was anybody drunk? Absolutely not. Would they have been called out for being drunk? They had been called yeah. to repentance. That's what happened. Now, maybe you want to say something to that, Summer, because you did write a response while we were away in Hawaii with your dad. Yes. And the response to the response, well, we'll let um, you guys go there next week. But yes. I think what I've, in conversations that I've had online since I wrote the response, the question now is, okay, well, the facts have been straightened out. Um, is there merit to Christians planting a church with funds that have been sol- sold or made through something like giving a tattoo or drinking a beer. Yeah. And so that is what's now being attacked. Now it's changed. Yes. The narrative changed. The narrative has changed to now, well, is there any ever reason to plant a church through a fund like that? Yeah. Well, first I would want to address something that came up that was really strange. Um, It was actually suggested that Apologia Church... um, is engaging in the practice to somehow entice unbelievers and to look cool for the world. Let me just church say... Church growth strategy. Yeah, church growth oh, strategy. They Let don't just, know Apologia. They don't know Apologia Church. They don't know about our two-hour-long services, over an hour of preaching, the kids that are passed out on the floor, that we're a family-integrated church with children screaming and crying throughout the service. They don't know um, that Apologia Church um, regularly disses in service... Um, using carnal means to attract unbelievers. They don't know that Apologia Church views worship, the gathering of the saints on the Lord's Day, as a function for believers and not unbelievers. 
They don't maybe realize that Apologia Church has spoken publicly, regularly, repudiating the idea of using carnal means to attract unbelievers. Worship is about the church. It's not for unbelievers. And I would say this. If unbelievers are comfortable in your church for even a limited amount of time, uh, I'd say you're doing something wrong, bro. (laughs) If an unbeliever can sit comfortably in your service for more than a couple of weeks... I think that your preaching is off. If you're not talking about the holiness of God, our sin and responsibility before God, repentance and faith, I think something's wrong. And I repudiate and respond in abject horror when I see people using carnal means to attract unbelievers. What was the fundraiser used as, if you can even call it ultimately really a fundraiser, um, like as if it was an organized event in that way? Uh, the only people who were invited are people at ReformCon that are already in their hearts already settled on this issue. We did not attempt to entice any believers who struggle with this issue at all. And I would say this, to please think through this with me, even if you disagree, please humbly think through this with me, please. Let's say we had an organized event of fellowship after ReformCon, and we were going to raise funds by selling Coca-Cola and root beer samplers. And that money was going to be used to help fund some of the costs of our next mission in Kauai. Would you say that is sinful? And if somebody said, oh, no, that's not simple. Coca-Cola and Pepsi are not sinful. I would say this to him. Okay, granted, it's okay to raise funds for a leg of a missions trip in that way. Okay, is beer and alcohol sinful? And if somebody says no beer and alcohol are not sinful. Okay, well, it makes it sinful. It's well, it's what you do with it. It's in the abuse of it. Great. So if a church holds um, a gathering and a guy gives up for a beer sampler, the money for that beer sampler to fund some stuff for the mission, why is that sinful? If it's not sinful for Coca-Cola and root beer, mm. then why is it sinful for beer and wine? I think it, if you said, well, it is sinful for beer and wine, I would say that well, that reveals really your view about beer and wine. You think that it's sinful. Oh, but it's not sinful. So then why is it sinful that Apologia Church received money from our friend who owns the restaurant for anybody who purchased a beer sampler for the next leg of the mission? Now, you may disagree. Okay. That's fine. We can have that discussion and debate. Maybe you disagree, and I respect your opinion if you do. But changing the narrative and saying things like... Apologia Church used this as a means to attract unbelievers or to try to look cool. Or that, uh, that Apologia Church was not keeping in mind the weaker brother as though we somehow enticed people to join with us I in went this. and I didn't drink. Right. And I guess, just enjoyed. Guess what? I didn't drink either. I yeah. didn't have a beer. And uh, by the way, let me just say this just quickly. I was accused by one man of not only being a heretic... But I was accused of being a beer-guzzling, skinny jeans, beard-loving guy. One of those is right. (laughs) Now, let me address it. Um, Heretic, let's have that discussion about whether a person who believes that Jesus Christ is eternal God and believes and teaches on the Trinity and believes that salvation is through faith in Christ alone, through his work alone, apart from any work of law, and that if you add a single work of law to an attempt to be justified, you are condemned and under anathema. But to the beer guzzling, um, would it surprise you if I told you that I haven't had a beer in, I think, two years? Would it surprise you if I told you that I didn't have a single beer sampler 
Sorry I didn't donate in that way. <laughs> Would it surprise you that I absolutely hate skinny jeans and have never worn a pair of skinny jeans never. in my life? Never. Would that surprise you? Would it surprise you that the one person at Apologia Church who ever dared to wear some tight pants... <laughs> They was, weren't even skinny jeans. No. They were tight pants. Was laughed at get. and ridiculed at Apologia it Church. Still is to this day. And is known on Apologia Radio as skinny jeans <laughs> because we laughed that he would dare to wear pants that even looked like even skinny jeans. I don't even remember the instance, and I make fun of him you for wearing those thank, skinny jeans. You should thank God you don't yeah. remember. Um, we were called a hipster church, and the only way that you can make that allegation is out of pure undeniable ignorance. The people at Apologia Church um, have a question. Uh, and the question is, how would you ever get the idea that this is a hipster church? Because if you were to turn the camera around from me on a Sunday and face the um, uh, congregation, you would see people that are the farthest thing from hipsters. Not just one or two, but the entire church is so far from hipster. What is a hipster, though? Well, see, like, and what? that's the thing. Is that like, a term? Why, even, if, even if we were, like, well, where's the... See, because I don't understand... What the sin in that is? I can't believe we're having this discussion. No, no, and see, that's the thing. It's this a term important. that just no, gets. No, I know. I'm just saying it's, it's a ridiculous. term that just gets thrown around for. It's when you don't like someone and you want to make it seem right. like they're trying like, to be I've been cool. called You're a trying hipster to be before. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, like a church in Portland that has a bunch of like weird people, like a reformed Portland church. Definitely hipsters. Definitely hipsters. But that's just the culture of the church. Right. right. It doesn't have anything to do with their obedience or anything right. yeah, like that. Yeah, like I it's don't understand. Well, the, it's, it's, it's like saying like a, a, like a church in, in like a reformed church like that's in the middle of the projects is just a hip hop church. Like that's just ridiculous. That's just the culture. It's frustrating because I've visited so many churches and I've been a member of several different churches and Apologia is like the hardest one to attend. Like no offense. But it's well, no, I, take that. It's I take that actually hard. As a compliment. It's like hard. Like I have to Sundays like I have to prepare because it's gonna be a two hour long service if I'm lucky. <laughs> when I have two small children through dinner time who are tired and hungry. Um, the chairs are super uncomfortable and the sermon's going to be really long and then I'm not going to skip communion and it's just, it's hard, it's hard. There's like, there's no entertainment there. Um, no one's trying to make me comfortable. Like, no one is, like, no one's trying to make me uncomfortable, but it's like, you're there and it's going to be a long sermon and it's going to at some points hopefully be very convicting like I don't remember the last time I wasn't convicted and then it, it's just it's hard it's not you know I've gone to churches where it's been a lot easier because the sermon is more digestible and the music is a little bit more digestible and the seats are a little bit more comfortable Clearly and you're I talking have, about your dad's church I have somewhere to put my child like and you know what I mean like at least in the the pews at PRBC there's like a cushion like <laughs> I don't have any of that and so That's a joke, Dr. It's, just, White. <laughs> it's really, really frustrating when I, I went the, the seeker sensitive comments have really frustrated me because I have never once had a conversation that or an experience at this church that could even remotely come under that umbrella. Yeah, there by the way, there's none who seeks for God. No one seeks for God. So appealing to the world in that way to try to grant to try to grab hold of seekers is um, impossible. By the way, um, it, it would be intellectually inept of me to look from afar at a man um, 
and see his style of clothing and say, oh, he's just promoting Bass Pro Calvinism. <laughs> right. No, no, that's right. It would be ignorant to do so. Now, here's the thing. I just, I hate that. I feel like I'm in middle school again that I have to say this. Um, but my style of clothing, I don't buy clothes thinking about, I need to buy clothes that are this style. Sometimes I go and I buy clothes that are just available. I go to a secondhand clothing store. I go to a clothing store that has used clothes because they're cheaper. You, now, don't, you don't buy your clothes from Buckle? No, I ha- No, I do love the Buckle. <laughs> And when I, no, I will say this. Like, no, okay, no, 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 listen, no, I want to no, say. No, I say that because okay. me and Austin, we hipsters. were in Buckle. We were in Buckle, and we were like, "This would be huh. where Jeff shop." <laughs> well, like, in the Jeff, point that Jeff is said, favorite store. Jeff's, it just appeals mm-hmm. to what you like. It yes. has nothing to yeah. do with yeah. with I don't know your yeah. your messages. Yeah, on, right. Look, on Christians. Sunday. Christians are allowed to like things. Right. <laughs> yeah. We're allowed to like different styles I, of stuff. I will say, I do go to Buckle once a year, and you know when I go. Christmas time. I go at Christmas time because when my family asks me, what do you want? They, I say, I'll take gift cards and Amazon and I need some clothes maybe. So I love the buckle. So I right. get to go to buckle once a year to buy a few clothes. They're really, they're really expensive there. But I regularly shop at used clothing stores because they usually have some good clothes for really cheap. Yeah. Now, when I buy these clothes, I'm not buying them because I want to appeal to anybody. I'm buying them because I like them. Right. You and like that tank top. I like the tank top <laughs> I'm wearing right now. So, um, so I want to say, I listen, I want to say to the listener, I am sorry that we are having this discussion right yes. now. I genuinely apologize and I wish it weren't so, but I need to address the issue. So again, uh, a heretic, beer guzzling, skinny jeans wearing, false, 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 beard lover. That's true. <laughs> I do like my beard. Sin. I do Marjorie. like my beard. Now you, everyone on the show likes beard. You should. Well, I mean, right you, now, you I don't know how someone know, feels about it. You should but. know that at Apology at Church, there are a lot of men that do not have beards, and we think that that is fantastic. We they look like little boys, but yeah, we don't really <laughs> even care. We joke about it on the show because it's just fun. Because we're just having fun on the show and laughing. We think it's actually good to laugh, and the and, tr- and that's a good point too. That the radio show and TV show is not the church service, right? Right. <laughs> Right, like right. ReformCon was not yeah, a church Reform service. ReformCon was not a church service. And Bo- Darren, Darren Doan is not an elder at Apology at Church. Yeah, he's not an elder anywhere. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's just people need to understand that just because, like, you know, like we do a TV show and a radio show and we're going to do other content, and some of it's going to be more theological than the other stuff, and other stuff is just going to be fun stuff to watch with your kids, on, you know, when you're uh, homeschooling or something. So there's just, there's not, I don't know why there's this idea that everything has to be regulative principle, even if it's not a church service, because that's not, that's not true. Yeah. And uh, I, I want to <laughs> say that it's really interesting. We're in the Puritan tradition. Um, if you want to know the theology of Apology at Church, we're in the Puritan tradition. We believe the Puritan eschatology we have, the, we have a Puritan worldview. That is our view. We do have a view of law, 
um, that is uh, very similar. If you wanted to know, to say Douglas Wilson, we are. We've said I've said it for a long time. There's actually a show about a year ago of me talking specifically about it. We're general equity kind of theonomists. Uh, we hold to the Puritan view of law and government. Uh, not everyone does, but it's interesting. Over the last year, I've seen certain men actually accuse Apologia Church of one being Judaizers because yeah. we believe the law of God is relevant and abiding today his standards are his standards we believe in psalm 119 we hold to that and uh people have actually accused us of being judaizers even though i actually preach against the judaizing heresy and i repudiate it and i think it's worthy of hell um but then recently these Mm, same people who have spent hours writing blogs and doing shows on us and making those sorts of accusations as a result of this new controversy have actually swung the other way and said that um we're engaging in licentiousness. And they were antinomians. Antinomian, which is a word that we use. Yeah. Um, as a, co-opting our terminology uh, that we use often. But when you have to swing from Judaizer to licentiousness in order to make an argument against our church, I would say I think something is really, really wrong there. It's getting a little silly yeah. at that point, yeah. too. When you're swinging like, from those kind of polar extremes. Um, but here's the thing. Listen, I want to say this, and I mean this. We will not curse you. We bless you. We are not going to revile in return. We'll bless you. Um, we want to speak specifically about the falsehoods, but we are not going to engage in character assassination because we do not believe it's glorifying to Jesus Christ. And again, we are committed to not assaulting our listeners on a regular basis with this sort of content. Uh, to the charge of being carnal Calvinists, well, I agree actually with Spurgeon that Calvinism is ultimately just an explanation of the gospel. And so I see Calvinism ultimately as Christianity, the, the purest and uh, most clearly defined form of Christianity. And so the idea of a carnal Calvinist or a carnal Christian um, is impossible. There's no such thing as a Christian who is carnal because Christians are being sanctified. They're indwelt by God's spirit and God is changing them. They're being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. You cannot be a carnal Christian. There Mm -hmm. is no such thing as a Christian who is carnal. Uh, We are believers in lordship salvation. means that we believe that if you truly are saved, you've come to Christ as Lord, um, and you have not just prayed a magic prayer. You've repented of your sin, and you've come to Jesus Christ as a result of the grace of God in your life. God has opened your eyes. God has raised you to newness of life, and we believe that Jesus Christ, if he's your Savior, he should also be your Lord, and that is the that is how things are for true believers. So uh, the idea of being a carnal Christian, uh, we repudiate that as well. Uh, and again, I'll just emphasize once more: um, the idea of Apologia Church appealing to unbelievers could only that charge can only be made by somebody who's not listening. You're not listening. Well, that's why earlier I or said, asking. <laughs> I said like it's written out of ignorance. Like yes. they just, I'm willing to give grace and say that they just don't know. They just didn't fact check. They just didn't, which it's not right. It's if you're writing an article, you definitely, you, you know, you don't want to look like the non-reflective world of the internet that we have yeah. currently, which is people just putting stuff up there and it's truth or, you know, saying their opinion before it's really been considered or whatever. Like we're not supposed to look like the world and it's important to not for my character. I don't like, it's not because it hurts my feelings if you get something wrong about me. It's because we're supposed to be committed to truth. Right. That's one thing that um, Dr. White has said often that has really impacted me, that Christians 
are following the one who is the embodiment of truth and, and therefore should be most committed to the truth, speaking the truth. And um, I, w- I do want to say that the people who wrote these articles and even have even done shows have not never contacted me Mm-mm. to ask me. Not once. Never contacted Pastor Luke. Never contacted me, pastors at Apologia Church, elders at a Reformed Baptist Church who are confessional. Uh, never once contacted us to ask us any details before they spoke publicly. And unfortunately, unfortunately, they put their reputations on the line when they did so. Um, and again, I think it's very unfortunate. Um, I also think it's worth mentioning um, that when you, like earlier you were talking about uh, our conduct on the internet being similar to our conduct in person and something that I think happens in person and on the internet. So it's something we have to be careful about all the time, which is when you, even if, even if you consider that your words are maybe calling someone to repentance or you're trying to encourage them, maybe just consider like, do I actually care about the well-being of this person? Right. Like it's important to have a loving heart behind things when you say things to people. So it, you know, writing an article for the sake of, of juicy news mm-hmm. isn't necessarily loving neighbor. Now, if there was, I mean, if there was like a real, real concern about what we were doing, then that's something that could be taken care of well, there's outside. A yeah, there's a difference between reporting facts, like, right. uh, like uh, when Perry Noble stepped down because of alcohol, because of his alcohol problems. Like, that's an actual fact that was presented by the elders of the church to the people. So there's a difference between that and and and, and theorizing about Perry Noble's condition. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and if your concern were to his condition, to his drunkenness, then, and you actually had a heart for him, would, like, how would you approach it? Mm. On the internet and in real life. Like, that's something that we have to consider. Because there's plenty of times when I just, like, someone comes to me for something and... I just like tell them something because it's the right answer, but like in the absence of love, like that's not really, it's not really the best, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, you should really, if you, if you, if your argument is that you're, you're trying to call this person to repentance or like God's using the, you in their sanctification, you should have love for that person. Yes. And, um, again, to address the issue of appealing to unbelievers, Attempting to be cool, I promise, we're not. Uh, <laughs> and appealing to... Un- by the way, there's a lot of um, I, people you might think are uncool that Apologia Church would be offended by that. <laughs> um, uh, but the appealing to unbelievers... Let me, let me ask. Is going to a church where the messages are about a minimum of an hour, sometimes an hour and 15 minutes, that is filled with children, we're a family-integrated church... That does not have childcare, doesn't exist and for us. And that was not necessarily a cool idea for everyone we when knew it first we'd lose came people. out. Yeah. We knew we'd lose people Absolutely. when we made that decision because of our convictions mm. early, early on. Um, we, yeah, we have lost people. As a matter of fact, we have people that have come and said, I can't hang with the kids in service yeah. thing. I need childcare. Um, is coming to a church like that appealing to unbelievers with kids running around Kids, no. that have, kids that have been saved by abortion, by the way, running around in service in, yeah. front of, in front of the stage, is going to a church that preaches on God's absolute holiness and the demand to repent and believe and have a new birth, is that appealing to unbelievers? Is, is going to a church that 
submits itself to the scriptures as the final authority and says that you must be being sanctified as evidence of the salvation that you've experienced. Is that appealing to unbelievers? Is talking about sin and the suppression of truth, is that appealing to unbelievers? Hashtag no. Is saying that without holiness, you won't see God? Is that appealing to unbelievers? When you leave Apologia Church on Sundays, the bodies are strewn across Apologia Church. Not because they've been slain in the spirit, <laughs> but because the kids are exhausted and they're just passed yeah. out in the floor. Um, this is the real picture of Apologia Church. We have old people. We have young people. We have people who dress in torn jeans. And we have people that dress in suits and ties and nice, beautiful dresses for church. We have such a broad spectrum of people that for someone to call Apologia Church a hipster church trying to be cool, let me just say, you are bearing false witness. And the only way, way you can make that sort of a charge is out of pure ignorance. You do not know us. You obviously do not listen. And again, the people of Apologia Church are the most confused by the pictures that have been painted over the last couple of weeks by a few people. It's the people of Apologia Church that are most confused by it. Because when we read or listen to what some people have said or written about us, we look around us and we say, which church exactly is he talking about? Because let me just say, it is false witness. It is. And here's the thing. We're not going to engage in a back and forth and character assassination because here's what we know. We know that God is a righteous judge and he always does right. And the Lord knows the truth. We know the truth. And if, if you are involved in propagating slander and false witness and gossip, if you are involved in that, we know and trust that you will ultimately have a lot to answer for before God, not us. And so we leave it in his hands ultimately. Um, Were you going to address the tattoos? The tattoo thing. Yeah. Yeah. So the tattoo issue, uh, again, it was said it was a Bible beer and tattoo conference. Again, now the narrative, it changes. Now it's about other issues, which we'll address. And Dr. White and I are going to address in full detail. But the tattoo portion of the conference, um, A, never happened. Never. B, uh, we do have a tattoo artist at Apologia Church. And I think it was two weeks after the conference This guy, who's the tattoo artist, he is also going to be in charge of the drug and alcohol addiction aspect of our ministry in Kauai. And context really matters. Yeah. (laughs) He actually... (laughs) Really matters. Him and his wife right now, their full-time ministry is to drug and alcohol addicts. That's what they do all the time. And they are actually going to give up their lives to go to Kauai to do that ministry out there because there's a big problem of alcohol and methamphetamine addiction on the islands. Now, this man, who is the most precious Christian man you can imagine, and his wife, amazing, um, this man is a tattoo artist. Now, you may not agree with tattoos. I understand if you don't. I don't agree. I think one of the best... um, uh, messages I ever heard on tattoos was when Dr. White was moving through his discussion and study on the law of God. And I think uh, his background in exegesis uh, is unassailable in that point. You may disagree. I respect you and I love you if you disagree. That's fine. Okay. But, however, this tattoo artist was going on the next leg of the mission. He needed some money 
extra money for his plane tickets, for the food, for the lodging. He was short. And so what he did was he offered to the people who had wanted to get tattoos from him to do tattoos. And Pastor Luke sent a private message that was to only eight or ten people. I was originally not even on the, I don't think I was the message threat. You both were, but... Oh, okay. I was. Okay. I eventually got on because my wife added me. <laughs> um, and it was a private message to a select few people who wanted tattoos from this tattoo artist. And what they did is they came to the studio and they paid this tattoo artist for their tattoos mm-hmm. directly. The only person that did not pay him directly was Pastor Luke because Pastor Luke as an elder at Apologia Church, has direct access to the fund and he could put it right in where he wanted it. And we were paying all the bills anyway, anyways for Kauai. So this tattoo artist held a private, not advertised to the world in terms of unbelievers come get tattoos, look how cool we are. Right. He had a private session of tattoos for people who wanted them. It was by private invitation. At he our studio, them. which we don't advertise the location of. Yes. And, and the studio is not the church building. Yes. Right. So it's yes. very important. People don't and realize that. He labored in a vocation that he has for funds to raise money for this next leg of the trip. Now, that's not very newsworthy. That's not as newsworthy in my estimation. You may disagree with tattoos, and I respect you again, and I love you for the sake of Jesus. But that's not newsworthy. And I would also say it's not a Bible, beer, and tattoo conference. That's a fiction. It's a fiction. This money was personally raised by this man through a vocation that he has for this next leg or this last leg of the trip. That's what happened. And it was spun and twisted in the media in such a way, I want to say this and just be transparent, it was heartbreaking to see people who name name the name of Christ so willing to propagate falsehoods. Mm. That's heartbreaking to see that. It is genuinely heartbreaking. And it's heartbreaking, heartbreaking to see people who love Jesus Christ and are committed to holiness maligned. And... Here's the thing. Ultimately, we trust God with the truth. And again, we respect those who would disagree, but it was not what people made it to be. And the question comes, well, what about causing others who are weaker brothers to stumble? Well, there are issues in which Christians disagree. Romans 14 is a premier text that we'll obviously go into in the future that is the locus classicus it's known as the that text we go to for these disagreements that we have with each other even over alcohol it's in there right here's here's the thing the the reason that the world got to know so much about this the tattoos and the beer is not because apologia church Mm, went out advertising trying to seek people's attention in this way and trying to get people to even calm unbelievers or whatever the reason it really blew up the way that it did and got into the face of the weaker brother is because of the people who were so willing to propagate falsehoods that's why it became so well known Marcus did film in the studio when it was being done on his personal Facebook page which believe me isn't being seen by the whole world It's his personal Facebook page. Marcus didn't even know himself all the details 
all he knew. We're going to Kauai. Funds need to be raised. He didn't know every detail. I actually didn't even know we were even... I, I run the studio and I didn't even know that we were doing tattoos at the studio until I looked around and saw that it was set up and people were doing it. So, um... Here's, that, that's how that's how on the download the thing was. As to the weaker brother, Dr. White and I are going to do a discussion together, probably in fuller detail in the next week. Can I just mention something about the weaker brother thing, though? Yeah, just oh, real fast. Real right, let me, let me just say okay. real fast but before you do. Um, this was put before the weaker brother in the way that it was because of the people who promoted it the way yeah. they did. Um, there is even an example of a person who professes to care about the weaker brother, but he actually downloaded your video, Marcus, and shared it up on his YouTube channel. Stole the video and shared it on his YouTube channel. So much for the conscience of the weaker brother. Um, but I want to say that, and this is important, we're sensitive to the weaker brother issue. At Apology at Church, we don't go out promoting everyone needs to start drinking, everybody drink, it's really cool, please drink. Because we know that there are people with sensitive consciences. We have people at Apologia Church who don't drink. We have people that have a beer or a glass of wine every now and then, whatever. Drunkenness is condemned at Apologia Church, but we want to be sensitive. So when I'm sitting down with a Jewish person, I don't eat a ham sandwich. I don't want to cause them to stumble or get angry with God. And when I'm sitting down with a believer who says, I don't want to drink alcohol, I don't think you should, I don't drink a beer in front of them when I'm in a personal relationship with them trying to entice them to drink a beer to violate their own conscience. But here's what I want to say to the weaker brother issue. Not only are we sensitive to it, we're not trying to entice anybody and promote it. We rarely talk about these things, if ever. Um, but I don't believe in codifying as law the scruples of the weaker brother so as to allow the tyranny of the weaker brother. When you take the scruples of the weaker brother, and R.C. Sproul has a great sermon on this, and you begin to codify that as law for Christian conduct, that is sin. As much as you think it's, it's sin to drink a beer publicly, I think codifying into law the scruples of the weaker brother is, I agree with Sproul, tyranny. And I don't think that's biblical either. And let me just say that I'm sensitive to that subject. And we abhor the idea of trying to get the weaker brother to violate his conscience or to wound him in some way. Reform Con was being held by the Reform Pubcast and Apologia Church. So what was being allowed there, what was being, um, what was on the schedule there was for a certain group of people that have a certain view on this. Okay. And in terms of the tattoos that were being done, that was done in a private message, not even to Apologia Church broadly. And it was done to people who asked for these tattoos. You may not agree, I understand, but that is not what people made it into be. And if you were involved in propagating falsehoods, know this, we love you for Jesus' sake. We care for you. We are not bitter or angry. Um... And, and we would love to see some humility. If anyone would say, well, what do you want to see? I'd say humility. Humility that well, I was wrong. I spoke about it and I was wrong. I talked about it in a wrong way. I promoted something that was false. I was wrong. I apologize. And maybe we still disagree. That's okay. Right. But let's disagree on, this, on the actual issues themselves. And, and those are the discussions that should be had. We shouldn't be satisfied with falsehoods being propagated. Okay, Marcus. I just want to say on the subject of the weaker brother, and you kind of mentioned it about the tyranny of the church thing. 
I think I think one thing we should not do when we discuss the weaker brother issue is we shouldn't deny the weaker brother the ability to be sanctified. And and so what a lot of this issue comes down to is, you know, the the view of alcoholism, the AA sort of view of alcoholism, where it's well you you can never drink again, you'll never drink again, you you're always this person. And whereas what we're called to do in scripture is we're to, to strengthen the weaker brother at some point. And, and so I just, I, we don't want to, we don't want to like force someone to drink or say that they're in error if they're not drinking and we don't want to brag about it and, and like, you know, throw a beer in their face or give it to them or anything like that. But, but, but there should be a slow, meticulous, uh, sort of patience with the weaker brother and, and you mentioned it too, like you're not going to eat a ham sandwich in front of a Jewish person, right? And then the scriptures talk about uh, like Timothy was circumcised, but there was another guy who thought uh, circumcision was a justification issue and he was denied circumcision by Paul because, because they were making the issue out to be uh, bigger issues than they were. And, and so, so there is a point where we have to look at these two issues and, and, and determine, okay, is this a legitimate weaker brother issue or is this person using this issue as a way to enact tyranny on the church and i think i think you know paul gives us great examples of that and that was a question people were asking is like well what's the difference between between those two things yeah. in terms of like how do you because because jesus invites sinners alcoholics to the table and the table has wine on it right he invites us back to that and and if you're you know if you're in a position where hey, um, drinking wine is or or dipping my bread in wine is going to cause me to go full blown back into alcoholism, there's another issue there that you need to remove yourself from the table. I think, mm-hmm. and that's that that's why that's there. So there's a difference between that and you know uh, giving your weaker brother. Uh, uh, a beer and say no 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 you drink this now because you're a Christian you have to drink it drink it drink it drink it drink it drink it like that's a huge difference mm. and then none of the, none of that was happening ever happens at any mm. event I, I've ever been to and some of the some of my closest dearest friends that that I enjoy drinking with are former alcoholics and I'll I'll, I'll name him because he he he's you know said this publicly Ivy Connerly. He would drink so much, and you can watch his plot. He talks about it on the plot. On he would drink so much that in the morning he would be sick if he didn't drink a forty right like before when he first woke up. And now me and him can enjoy a beer or something all the time. So there's a sanctification that God has given him uh, in that his former idol, the thing that he used to to inst- to worship. He's now using for worship, and that's beautiful. And we don't want to deny that from the weaker brother, and that's why I think Redeemed Rebels is going to be so amazing because, because that's that's what we're saying that no other alcohol program, no other Christian alcohol program is saying is is that that the thing that once ruled you, you can now worship God with, and uh, and and enjoy. Uh, you know, like Deuteronomy fourteen twenty six, it says. Uh, uh, take whatever your appetite desires, be it wine or strong drink, and worship before the Lord. Now that was sent out to all of Israel. Were there weaker brothers in Israel? Were there former alcoholics in Israel? Of course there was. But you can't charge God 
with stumbling or accusing a weaker brother because he offered a blanket statement to people to drink strong drink. Well, that's an important uh, thing uh, that to talk about there, Marcus, for just a moment here. We're going to wrap up here in just a second. But please remember, brothers and sisters, as we as we talk over this issue and we try to glorify God by getting to the truth of this issue, please remember this. On this issue of alcohol, God speaks glowingly and in high, beautiful terms about alcohol in the Bible in many instances. And he also condemns drunkenness. So there's a balance there. The same thing with sex, yeah. too. You, you wouldn't want to deny mm-hmm. a homosexual the ability to get married mm-hmm. because sexual fornication was his idol. Right. You want to say, use the, your fornica- use the sin that enslaved you rightly in a way that honors and glorifies God now. So remember that Jesus, at a wedding, made actual wine with alcohol in it. You can't get around that exegetically. You can't get around that historically. That's what he did. And please know there were probably people there at that wedding that at some point in their life had sinned with alcohol, maybe drunkenness. Maybe there were people who were actually struggling with alcohol as an idol. That didn't stop Jesus from doing at a public event this miracle. Remember that what he did was public, not private. None of this was private. It was public. It was before people. And don't forget that in the Bible, when God promises to bless his people with the choicest of wines, that's a blanket statement. You might say, well, God, you're not thinking about the weaker brother there making those broad public statements. You're not thinking about the weaker brother. Well, here's the thing. If, if somebody is struggling to that degree, the issues go much, much deeper. If somebody is struggling with alcohol in that way, we need to be talking about sanctification, repentance. We need to be talking about idolatry. That's what we need to be talking about. Okay? And so, again, um, I want to say that I'm genuinely, genuinely sorry that we had to dedicate an entire episode to this. Again, we're committed at Apologia Church to not assaulting our listeners on a regular basis with slander and gossip. And we're going to remain committed to that uh, because we want to glorify God and we want to care enough for our listeners not to do so. Um, but we, we wanted to handle some of these things. And again, Dr. White and I are going to be doing a discussion uh, hopefully next week on the dividing line more detailed. I'm going to say one last thing, guys, because I think it needs to be said. I didn't plan on this, but I want to say it before we go. Somebody accused Dr. White because he has spent so much time defending Apologia Church. Somebody accused him of being an error and being an error because he is so close to me. And I want to go ahead and say something. That charge is fundamentally true. Dr. White is close to me. But I want to say that it actually works against the person making the charge. I have known Dr. White since 1996 when I first met him outside the Mormon temple. We weren't always, you know, closely connected, but that's when I first met Dr. White. That's 20 years, guys. 20 years since I met Dr. White. Dr. White does know me. He is close to us, which affords him the opportunity to see that what's been charged against us is undeniably false. So it is just his close proximity to the situation that allows him to see clearly enough that what has been said and what is being charged is false. Dr. White has been on our show. 
Dr. White has been to my home. Dr. White and I have eaten meals together. Dr. White knows me, knows us, preaches at Apologia Church on occasion. So he is close to the situation, which allows him to see the truth, which is why obviously he's offered the defense, because he knows the truth and he can see through the falsehoods. And so Dr. White has not been a man that compromises. I think we can all admit to that. And Dr. White has full invitation to confront me ever if I am in sin or Pastor Luke. He has full reign to do so. And we would openly welcome it. We think that's how the church should function with that kind of accountability. But I think it's Dr. White's closeness to the situation that, uh, again, affords him the ability to see through the falsehoods. Mm -hmm. And so while people have made the charge, well, he's so close to the situation. And so that's why he's defending because Jeff is the pastor of his daughter and and his son-in-law and Jeff pastors his grandchildren. You know what? Let me say this. That's true. I preach the gospel to Dr. White's daughter, to his son-in-law and to his grandchildren every Sunday that is a huge responsibility huge and it's because of that fact that Dr. White is so close to the situation that he is able to discern with real discernment the truth of the situation and I think that needs to be noted and when the charge is made that's why he's defending Jeff because he's so close to Jeff well I think that affords him a better opportunity to know the truth. Because here's the thing. Apologia Church, people at Apologia Church, when they've seen some of this stuff, and they mostly don't care, by the way, just so you know, they don't care. Apologia Church knows about this. Do you know how much we've talked about it? Very little. Maybe about a minute and a half total. Nobody cares because they see right through it. But Dr. White, like Apologia Church members, is sort of present and around, and so he knows the truth. And so it's because he's close to the situation that he knows more than those who judge from afar. Mm. When you judge from afar, you're going to embrace and propagate falsehoods. You're going to actually lie. You're going to say things out of ignorance because you're judging from afar and you don't know. But when you are close and you can see in and you actually have a history of 20 total years, you're able to address it in a way that is actually meaningful and honest. Thank you to everybody who has sent us such encouraging messages over the last couple of weeks. Thank you. Thank you to those of you guys that have been able to use biblical principles to wade through this situation. Thank you that you've loved us. Thank you that you've spoken into our lives to offer such great encouragement. Here's what's going to happen. Apologia Church is moving on with our mission for Jesus Christ and the gospel. That's what's up. And we will not be derailed by this. We're going to continue to glorify God. We're going to continue to talk about repentance and faith. We're going to continue to talk about holiness and sanctification. We're going to continue to hit the streets with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to continue to fight for the kingdom of God. That's what we're going to do. And we want to confess again that we are not bitter, angry. We do not hate you. For those of you guys that have spread falsehoods and false witness... We love you for Jesus' sake. Absolutely already have forgiven you. We trust God to preserve the truth. 
and we're just grateful to God for all that he's done to love us and to use sinners like us for his glory. Bless you guys. Don't forget to sign up for all access at ApologiaRadio.com and get some of this awesome stuff that is coming. It is so amazing. Don't forget to go to MissionalWare.com and get yourself a t-shirt because they love us and support us. We think you guys should buy a t-shirt from them. Joy, can't wait to hear your podcast with Summer. Austin, thanks for hanging out on the couch, dude. What's up, Austin? <laughs> Gabe, thanks, man, for all you do. Marcus Pittman, love you, man. Thank you for all the hard work you did in Hawaii. Luke, I'm glad to be a pastor with you, man. Thanks, dude. All right, guys. We will catch you guys next week. God bless you. Hi, this is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio. You can get us at ApologiaRadio.com. I'm also the pastor at Apologia Church in Tempe. You can get us at Apologia Church. Dot com. want to invite you guys to join us for worship, the word, and fellowship on Sundays at 4 p.m. And that's Joy Temby. Hey there. We are a family integrated church, so we invite you to bring your whole family to worship with us. This is Luke Pearson, the ministry bear, also discipleship pastor at Apologia Church. Like Jeff mentioned, we are now meeting at a new location and time, 4 p.m. on Sunday afternoons at Arizona Community Church. That's 9325 South Rural Road and Tempe. We're meeting in the Community Center, and that is between Warner and Ray off of Rural. Again, you can reach us on them internets at apologiachurch.com. Delicious beards are encouraged but not required. (laughs) Glory!